This is a Hot Pie Media Original. Welcome to this episode of Overcome with Justin Wren. I am so excited about the guest. Amy's fist pumping that was over a there. Powerful, like, intro. That was, I like I it. it. You, oh, you like the some, intro? Yeah, Boom! You said it. You were feeling Boom it. Boom shakalaka. Yes. Well, we got a guy. I mean, we have the gorilla in house uh, that sits on the desk, but this is a gorilla mammoth of a man. He <laughs> is an incredible human being. Aaron Alexander. You might have heard of his podcast, the Align Podcast. He's at Align Podcast on Instagram. Go give him a follow. You'll see me on there with him. We're doing all sorts of fun workouts at the Onnit ATX gym. But this guy has a new book. It's the Align Method. There's some incredible stuff. The subtitle is A Modern Movement Guide for a Stronger Body, Sharper Mind, and Stress-Proof Life. Who are two of the people I love that are on the the front and back cover? Laird Hamilton is endorsing the book, uh, the superstar of surfing for like the last 40 plus years. Also, Gabby Reese. Amy, we just had a conversation with Gabby Reese we the other did. day. We did. It was quite a trip to overhear you, you and Gabby Reese on the phone. So Why was it a trip? Because you're two like high level pro athletes and just the way you guys talk is not like... Uh, it's normal to you guys, you know, like it's just <laughs> yeah. a different normal. It's yeah. a totally different normal. Just, uh, well, I can't I, remember it, but I just remember being like, wow, listen to them. Who's, like, who's the wonderful woman that she might put us in contact with? Byron Katie. Is that the name? Oh yes. She, yes. well, who actually funny, you should mention Byron Katie. She has been a guest also on Aaron's show, his yeah. podcast. He's had some epic guests you yeah, included and um yes you know i'm a big fan of byron katie i've yeah. done a solo cast just about the work of byron katie and she's just you know casually hangs out with byron katie yeah. and <laughs> yeah and <laughs> but she had could put us amazing she said she's you know from another plane yeah. or something maybe so. we'll have her on this show but the person we have on this show this episode is aaron alexander and, and he surrounds yeah. himself with some of the most incredible people uh, I mean, he is Gerard Butler. Whenever he goes on set location, I think he was in either Costa Rica or the Dominican Republic with him filming a new movie. And he was there to help him through his movement training. Also, I think Toby Maguire, when he's getting ready for Spider-Man or oh, whatever wow. other cool. movies. And so he is, he moves like Spider-Man. I he, could see that. He is the real life Spider-Man, <laughs> Superman. Uh, he looks like a superhero. Uh, we intro him with a, a, a fun analogy of, of who he reminds me of or better than, uh, in like literally looks like Michelangelo carved Aaron Alexander, yeah. but not only stone. is he physically quite a specimen, but his mind always amazes me, like how much he retains. I wish mm. I had that sort of mental retention Yeah, recall. and he is just so smart and can spout like facts and all mm -hmm. sorts of stuff. That's really it's really incredible. And, and he's he's funny. He even in the episode, he does a fun callback to something pretty he does, funny that we talked about in the beginning yeah. to the David. And <laughs> um, but we did work through a really cool like five, four or five minute breath work. Right. That how'd you feel after we did this breath work? I felt great. You know, I we did, did too. I felt kind of high while we were I, doing it. I did during the first one and I could hold my breath pretty long. In the second one, I don't think I held my breath as long because I don't think I blew out all the way, like, like just mm. cleared my lungs, completely emptied my lungs. I would suggest if you're going to listen to this episode, we get into that breath work at about 20 minutes, something, something around there, actually 20 minutes after this intro, 15, 20 minutes after 
And I would say, I would encourage you to please do it because you will see some noticeable differences in your life, in your biology, in your makeup, in your mind, your body. You really get into your body, which is your first and really your only home on planet earth. I mean, it's, it's where, what it's the vehicle that takes you anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. You and can't you know escape what? your shadow. I think that's probably a really well put thing about what this conversation's mm. about. It's about tuning into your home. Yeah. Like how tuned in are you to it and how intentional are you around it and aware and what are your goals with it? And yeah. he, he has a great way of breaking that down and really just putting it into terms that speak to us and, and don't get stressed out about, Oh shit. Now I need to go, you know, pay attention to regenerative farming or whatever, you know, just like take it step by step, take it in stride. Yeah. Take it in stride. Mm -hmm. And at the end I said something about I'm supposed to, and he's like, well, you're not supposed to, he's you like, get quit to, supposed to, you know, yeah, quit the and supposed this is a very interesting conversation. It goes all over the place, but, uh, I'm really happy to support him on his book launch book tour and please go out and get one of his books. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review uh, to this podcast. Review would really help us. I would ask that of you. If you're enjoying these shows, please uh, let us know what you think of certain episodes, what you think of the podcast as a whole, and uh, we'll learn from that. We'll grow from that. And we really, really appreciate your support of this podcast. And share it with a friend. Yeah. You know, if you do. think of, I always say this, like, and I do this, like, if you think of anybody, if anybody pops in your mind and you're like, they would like this, send it to them. Just yeah. send it to him um, help because the show. so It'll often that's our intuition telling yeah. us something. So I think that's really a great practice. Yeah. And yeah. so now we are about to get into this episode. Buckle up, Buttercups, because yeah. this is a great and fun ride yeah. with Aaron Alexander, a stud of a human. Thank you, Amy, for being here. You're oh, so beautiful. I'm thrilled to be, you know, basically a glorified fly on the wall in these episodes. And I learned so much. Yeah, I learned so much from Aaron. I know you will too. So let's get right in to Overcome with Justin Wren and Aaron Alexander. Well, real quick before we get into some breath work, yeah. Aaron, I love you. Thank I love you for you. being here on the show. Yeah, I'm so grateful to be here. I genuinely, you know, some like the appropriate, I don't know if we're recording or not, but are we recording? I think we are. Okay. Yeah. It's all right. So the, either way. so the appropriate thing is to always be like, you know, grateful. And, you know, sometimes I think we, we kind of, grab ourselves by the neck and take ourselves through like those motions because we mm -hmm. have, feel like there's like an obligation right on the way here i genuinely had like this overwhelming sense of gratitude to get to come and get to hang out with you so thanks hey, for doing this thank you i appreciate you i know amy and i both are stoked you're one of our favorite people Likewise. and so this is awesome your book is launching we're going to get into that but we're going to get into some breath work yes sir and before we get into the breath work uh, I was just, just thinking earlier, I was looking into the statue of, uh, Mike, uh, actually David, 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 Michelangelo, Michelangelo did that. Right. Yeah. I think that's such a cool statue. And then I started thinking how it was carved or chiseled out of marble. And I was just like, what, what would it be like to walk around <laughs> looking better than the statue of David? Wow. And that's you, my friend, equal, size, love equal size genitals. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know about that. You have a hole in your jeans right now. That's but, correct. Uh, yep. but you're right here to fixed. express it. I, I love it. He's, I, I, distracted he's by got underwear on. It's a contrast. I think it's the, a dark, dark Do you know the story more. of having little genitals on those statues? No. I what think was it was, it was considered like barbaric to have a big cock at the time. Ooh. I think there was probably some king or ruler that had like a micro pee. Mm. And so then that's kind of like the, uh, all statues must be 
smaller than him. Smaller wheeze. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. like the Spanish accent, you know, if you're from like Barcelona. Yes. Yeah. That Barcelona. lisp, that lisp yeah. comes from uh, whoever the king, ruler, fella. He really? had a lisp. I didn't know that. And so anyone else, as opposed to like, you know, making fun of him as his his little lisp it's like no 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 we all have lisp <laughs> bitches yeah <laughs> sorry i didn't know that uh, speaking of spain real quick uh i was telling i think i was telling amy that there's a uh, a culture in cata is it catalonia um wherever Bar- barcelona is i went there and it was awesome i is actually ended up yeah there we go yeah catalan yes and i forget the state but i remember the town the city and i ended up on a viking ship with a norwegian sailor and uh, or captain and i was out in the bay of barcelona and then we also found out about a do you know about uh cacatillo it's a christmas tradition they have only in barcelona mm. and it's kind of like elf on the shelf but it is uh these sticks that have googly eyes and a santa hat on and they start as a little twig and they get bigger and bigger and bigger until it's a full log like 12 days before christmas something like that they put it over uh, a, bl- a blanket over it at, at Christmas Eve when the kids come out with a stick, they start beating the stick. Anyways, Cacatillo is the pooping uncle and that's how they get a lot of their presents on Christmas Eve. Anyways, rare, you know, random cultural experience. You know, I know we're supposed to do breath work, but you know, the origins of Christmas are um, largely psychedelic influenced. No. Siberian shamans. That's wow. the origin. That's the that's the origination of Christmas Siberian and Saint, Saint, Saint Nick. Yeah. Yeah. They look so, like they would be under Saint Nick. So Santa all Claus. of the, the the your presents, the traditional red and white wrapping around presents and you know, like ornaments and such on a tree, that red and white, what's the do you know what the most notorious, famous, well known mushroom on the planet is? Ah, yes. The red one with the white specks. Yeah, the Amanita yep. Tumascaria. It's like mm-hmm. the Super, Super Mario yep. mushroom. Makes yeah. you get superpowers. Yeah. Psychedelic, okay. psychedelic um, I don't know, history is infused all throughout our popular culture. It's so interesting. And so those that white and red is representative of the Amanita Tumascaria mushroom. And the ornaments hanging off of a tree is actually at that at the at the time. Um, they would hang those the mushrooms off of these pine trees to dry them to dehydrate them. Wow! And then the presents underneath represent the mushrooms and the the Saint Nick, the Santa Claus. He was this shamanistic figure that would go out harvest the mushrooms and then bring them to hmm. these towns, these villages in Siberia. The reason he would come down through the chimney is because there was so much snow at the time, and so he would drop the gifts down the chi- the chimney. And so he dropped these psychedelic gifts down the chimney. Wow. And it was like this realization, reincarnation, new beginning of uh, yourself. Okay. Well, Jesus, the- Jesus Christ also potentially is either representative of a mushroom. So it says the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's a lot yeah. of contention around that as well. Um, or also he was, again, like a shaman. And so the whole like death and rebirth is uh, that process of going through and like your ego dying. And perhaps the Bible is an allegorical tale to represent the psychedelic journey. Bam! Bam! That's how we start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Uh, The more, the more you know. I think we need to have one of those shooting stars. The more you know. And Santa Claus does look like a large gold, uh, garden gnome. He does like a, like from a, big, a field of mushrooms, a I, big red and white. Did you know I've played white garden gnome? Yeah. Did you yeah. ever see me as Santa Claus? 
Mm. I'll have to show you pictures. That's I've why I have the red sled. That's why I have the red sled. I've I've been yep. Santa Claus for uh, forty five. I plan on being the youngest Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade Santa of all times. Love that. Yeah. No, isn't I've, it kind of twenty years of experience? Isn't it kind of forty five? Isn't it kind of sad that there's like immediately this sense? There's like a leeriness around any man, grown man, that has any any affinity towards children. Huh. You know. Yeah. Like, oh, you'd be saying, it's like, oh boy. As yeah. opposed to being like, oh, that's amazing. Like, yeah. love the kids. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've seen the opposite side of that where, but I've been going to like a children's hospital for Oklahoma DHS with like, basically they're the children that were so sick that they were basically either taken under the state's care or the parents abandoned them and no one was there to care for them except for the state. And so going there a, a couple of years and going to the foster care homes and uh, centers and, and the children's hospitals. That, that's that been my favorite thing to do. I've never been paid to be Santa, but I have a dope white beard. I use, anyways, maybe too much info, but don't use the nail polish brush they have in the white beard paint. Mm. Use a toothbrush. That's that's the Santa secret to really get the See? white in there See? so it doesn't get uh, clumpy. There's like, but, there's like 1.5 listeners that are like, yes, like yes. taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, maybe they can take notes <laughs> on our breath work. I had the same uh, issue. Well, also to, to, give, to, give, to give people some insight on, on who you are, Amy and I both have come to be really close with you over 2021. Yeah. We're starting a new year yeah. and you said that you were grateful for our relationship coming in here, but man, I think Amy and I both are just incredibly grateful that you're in our lives. Mm. You're in our lives. There's people that I know and love that are grateful that you are in their life. I mean, just looking at the cover of your book, The Align Method, Laird Hamilton said the foundational principles for unlocking peak human potential. Mm. Laird Hamilton, Mr. Malibu, a pro surfer for, I think, over 40 years. I think he's like 57, 58, something like that. He's inarguably, um, inarguably the GOAT. The GOAT, the GOAT. And he's the founder of uh, XPT, right? The underwater. I've done that workout with him. 11 feet deep, he's like coming out with dumbbells, doing backflips, like barely his nose is coming out, but he's like a human fish yeah. uh, with weights, yeah. I mean, like a bodybuilding fish. And that. Gabby Reese, his wife, pro volleyball player, co-founder of XPT. She said, if you've ever... Wanted to feel more confident, capable, and at home in your body, but didn't know where to start. This is the book for you. Mm. I mean, that's pretty amazing. At home in your body. I think there's such a disconnection between people actually thinking of their body as their home because we've externalized it so much. We need to build this uh, mansion or we, we need to retreat to this place that that is our home. Yeah. And not enough people get into their body, learn from their body, listen, listen to their body so they can learn from their body so they can actually love their body, love their home and where they're at. And that's what we're going to talk about here today, but maybe we can, is it okay to start with? I mean, I would love that. Let's do some, I think work. it's such a cool thing. Let's so, get at home in our body. So this is, so Wim, Wim Hof, he also, you know, whatever, he had a blurb in there. As An endorsement well. he, in he your was, book. That's awesome. Yeah. So he was, but so the ice man so, himself. Yeah. Um, but the reason I said is he was, helpful with the the nose breathing chapter particularly and so we include oh, nice. some of his practices in there as well it's not really his practices per se you know br breath work breathing in various different narrations doing that for thousands long of years, time right you know a lot of the influence of exposure who do you think invented cold. breathing oh just I, it's a good question who invented <laughs> probably prokaryotes 
I would yeah. say 3.8 billion years ago or yeah. so. There was some some clever prokaryote out yeah. there that was respirating. Yeah. You think he was Buddhist or Hindu? Or? Probably agnostic. Agnostic. An agnostic prokaryote was the initial inciter. Of, I, I don't know. Of, the of the more and more that I've lived or gotten to know the like almost our original man, the pygmy people, the oldest tribe in Africa, at least. It's like, man, they've they've got such deep spiritual beliefs that are just part of their history and part of their being at when they're at home in their body. Yep. They just feel connected, connected to God, the universe, all that. There was uh, we're going to keep on just putting off the breathing stuff because well, I just got my green juice up. with my green foam. I'm going to lick it and then we're going to breathe. Yeah, lick that green juice. Um, so the can we get a close up of Justin Wren licking the green juice cap, please? I don't, I don't know. Here it zoom is. Zoom in. There's some zoom foam. in. There we go. Yeah, that's the money shot. Uh, if you're only listening. There we go. <laughs> You're missing out. Uh, I did get some green foam on my do, see Maybe right a little a little POV of the green juice. Um, let's breathe. Let's breathe. All right. Let's so, it, so the reason- Amy, join us in breathing. I'm going to. Yeah, right. I've been into nose breathing because I just read Breath by James Nestor. Cool. And been yeah, mouth taping. Yeah. She's been yeah. mouth taping at night. When I was under stress, when he relapsed and stuff, I, I started snoring randomly like a couple nights. And so I was like, well, no way. So I started mouth taping. Great. Took it right out. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, mouth taping. That's we include that the, the 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 nasal breathing, nose breathing chapter in the Align Method um, essentially summates the intention of the book as a whole was to be a summation of lots of specific books on specific topics wrapped up into one field manual to nice. inhabit your body more effectively. Essentially, you know, to like do do physicality better. Yeah. And so the nasal breathing chapter includes a lot of that stuff, inclu- including the, the the mouth taping stuff. Mouth taping. Right now, like officially out. But when this goes out, yeah, it goes out January eleventh. Jan- oh, so okay, cool. The book yeah, is out. Right. It's yes. out. It's, it's out. out. It is out. It is out. It's out and, about. and yeah. what's really great, man, I just I love you. I love all the knowledge you have. And really, I mean, just to read the Align Method, the subtitle is a modern movement guide for a stronger body, but not just that, a sharper mind. In a stress-proof life, yeah, stress-proof is an interesting one, um, and we can talk about all that stuff. But, I'd the, love the, to. The, but that's like our 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 bodies thrive on um, variability and on challenge and on stressors, mm. and but you need to have the container to be able to hold the stress effectively. Yeah, and if the body is already exhausted, you know, or or impinged, bound, adhesed, you know, it's like. Think of like a like a building. If a building is missing some of the primary supports in the structure, then you add weight to the system. Oh, it's, support it. it's problematic. Yeah. Yeah. But if you were to it could be a collapse. Yeah. But if you say that you released gravity entirely, you're like, wow, there's no stress. Well, now the building just floats away. Mm. So there's a certain level of weight that actually holds a structure in place and it's, you know, it's it's supportive to it. Uh, earlier today, I was at uh, something called IOP, which is which is intensive outpatient program mm. for my substance use disorder and the treatment, getting out of rehab or residential and going to this where you can like tackle real life challenges while you're, I mean, in IOP. So it's a safe place, but you're out in the real world. I'm, I'm living with Amy. I'm going to work. We're doing this podcast, but I can take things and break it down in real time. The stressful situations that come up. But one of the things I saw on the wall today, someone wrote down. There is no growth in your comfort zone. There isn't comfort in your growth zone. So mm. it's like uh, yeah. to, to, to grow. That sweet spot. Yeah. You have to get uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's, that's jujitsu, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And that's the value of being a good coach, good parent, good friend, 
acknowledging where someone's boundaries are or even boundaries within yourself uh, and being able to skirt those boundaries and respectfully nudge them without just blowing through them or not even, you know, the other side of that would just be being too afraid to even get close to them. So if you can be in that place where you're subtly nudging into your boundaries, that's a hermetic stressor, you know, like exercise or anything of the sort. And the person that 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 exists in that space for the longest time wins. Mm. I love that. Mm. Well, breath is really important for every single person listening to this. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to breathe a little. It took us 20 minutes to get there. But so we're, the, we're, so, <laughs> so so the reason that this is possible yeah. is relevant. We weren't going to record this. We're like, oh, we'll just record it so people can do this at home, um, you know, or fast forward three minutes, you know, if you don't feel like doing a breath work practice for yourself, that's fine too. Uh, But the reason that this is relevant is it touches on a few different parts of, you know, of of the book and life and utilizing your breath as a tool to either upregulate, stimulate your body, stimulate your mind, um, or downregulate, you know, calm yourself, get ready for bed, get ready for sleep. And, and, you know, there's also a conversation of, you know, Wim Hof stuff became popular, which is essentially kind of like you're like hyperventilating. <sighs> and then, but along with that is the, the breath hold. Mm. You know, so both of those work, they, they pull on different levers. That hyperventilation increases norepinephrine and cortisol and all the kind of like, it puts your body into this endorphins, into this ready state to fight, flight, do something. Right. You know, so it can be help, helpful with cognitive function, helpful with energy levels. But it's not like I think a, a common misconception or confusion is the reason that doing those breathing patterns is helpful for something like maybe like a cold plunge. Yeah, it it causes this. It's called a stress induced analgesic effect. It makes you kind of a little bit like oh, I can like barely even feel the cold. What you'll hear oftentimes is people saying like, oh, it's because I think it like it relaxes you so much, and then you go into the cold, you're just so relaxed. No, it's putting you ready for fucking war. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go in and the, and the, and the cold's not that bad. It's like something yeah. that you've experienced, you know, more than most people of like getting brutally punched in the face, you know, or a, maybe a broken bone or something, but you're in the heat of whatever the situation was. And in your case, it'd be like an MMA fight. Right. And you're like, hit me again. Yeah. But the times that I don't do breath work before I get in the ice, it's always harder. It's always harder when I don't, if, and I mean, even just three deep breaths. Sure. Yeah. Like when I get in there and I wasn't focused at all on mm-hmm. my breath and I get in the cold. Yeah. It is harder to stay in there for three minutes, five minutes, two minutes. Yeah. Than it is if I just took three big deep breaths. And then when I get in there, try to steal or take my breath away. Sure. And if I'm not focused on lengthening that breath. And I think I could relate it back right back to you. You came over to our house and uh, you were feeling under the weather. And then we found out you had COVID, but you, you you had the vid yep. and you got over it really quick. But you also did the ice and you did breath work. And I saw you doing that. You were in the sun outside, uh, you know, in crisscross applesauce. No, I mean, you were stretching, sitting yep. down on the ground and, and you love to do that. You're sitting. Uh, how do you say that? Is Is it? Native Whatever, American cross style, legged, cross legged. No, if you want to say you that, that's what I was. Cr- I like crisscross applesauce. Crisscross cross applesauce. Your it's in like the how studio a, chair. It's like how You're a, the only one I can see. It's like how a, a baby would sit. But I like it. It's uh, it it's you're the only one that sits in the chairs like this, yeah. and I love it. Yeah. it. It's very distinguishable uh, for thank you. you. Thank you. I feel. Yeah, but I think that it's it's one of the reasons you're so healthy, healthy, and helpful because you're you're so focused on your body, how you can constantly improve how you can help others be encouraged 
to improve their own well-being. Yeah. And so we can do that through breath now and the rest of this conversation. Yeah. And then so 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 the other, thank you. And the other side of the breathing aspect. So understanding that that your senses are a part of your fitness or part of yeah. your physiology. Right? So when you hear certain tones, you know, frequencies of sound, it causes you to feel a certain way. You hear a crackling of a fire or maybe like a, a, you know, a dog snoring or, you know, a waterfall. All of that's like, oh, wow, it's cold. Yeah. Suddenly you hear some blaring siren. Even me right now, slowing down, my voice maybe got like a little bit, you know, deeper in that moment. I could, maybe I'm projecting, but I could feel both of us like calm down a little bit. Oh, yeah. I think of the waterfall. Right. I love and the visualization of the waterfall, yeah. which that's a really powerful yeah. thing as well, which we can talk about the 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 the, the scientific evidence um, collaborating or corroborating a lot of the things that people say about like visualiz- visualization being an effective tool. It's like right. you know, there's like there's legitimate evidence Definitely. from Western science to suggest that visualization actually is incredibly powerful. Right. Um, but so your breath is one of those tools that you can tap into if you understand how to utilize it. You know, vision is another one. Like all of the senses affect the way that you produce yourself at a hormonal level. Uh, so the breath hold part or reducing the amount of air that you're taking in, that's going to be helpful. One with just making your body more effective at releasing uh, oxygen from red blood cells. So if you're over breathing throughout the day, you're kind of like at a, at a, at a, a cellular level, you're kind of like a wasteful slob, right? So if you're, you're just getting so much air all the time, your hemoglobin, your red blood cells, they're, they're like, okay, this dude's just at a buffet of air all the time. I can be as ineffective as, as I need to be, or as I, as I can be. And it's no problem because he just has air everywhere. But if I slow down, mm-hmm. I start to cultivate a little bit of, of you could call it a, 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 an air hunger, then suddenly those red blood cells become more effective actually at releasing, unbinding that oxygen to be more effective at distributing throughout your, your muscles. And so as we are doing this breathing practice, that huffing and puffing hyperventilation thing, great. And that puts you into this kind of, in the book we described it as like, like fifth gear. Right. And I borrowed that from Brian McKenzie and some other people who he also helped with the, with the, the breathing chapter. Um, you know, so that puts you into that, that, that kind of peak state. You're having sex or you're climbing a mountain or you're finishing a marathon. You're, you're getting those last little bit or you're in a fight. Yeah. And then the opposite is that slow, long exhalation, nasal breathing. It puts your body into more downregulated, calm state and also makes your body more effective mm-hmm. at delivering oxygen throughout your muscles. So both of them are invaluable. Right. And they're both tools. Yeah. It's like being well-rounded. You That's need the, the right tool for the right moment. Yeah. Um, so we should be most so, effective. So let's go through it. Yeah. So um, I, the reason I like this is I just think it's, it feels nice. It feels nice. And, you know, selfishly, I think it's a beautiful thing to do before having a conversation. Um, so all we're going to do is you're going to sit yourself up. Oh, into again if you're not into this kind of thing fast forward four minutes and you're fine um so you're going to sit yourself up into an upright position when you are sitting um avoid the sensation like there's a stick up your ass and you're really like like astute you know (laughs) military posture (sighs) like relax if you are sitting on the ground or maybe even sitting on a chair you can put your hands down on the bottom of the chair and kind of lift your i can't because the chair's not wide enough but if you have a wide enough space you can lift your butt up off of the ground Hold it for a second, then bah, just drop yourself down and find that kind of oh, set point that your that your spine stacks into. 
Another tip is keep your hips up above the height of your knees if you want to have effective spinal mechanics while you're sitting. If you're on a chair, if you're on the ground, if you're doing yoga, whatever you're doing, get a block, put it underneath your butt. When you're sitting down, your hips ideally are up above the height of your knees. That stabilizes your sacrum, stabilizes your lower back. And then from there, you can stack your diaphragms and your whole body can relax. Next thing, um, just take a moment, feel in your body. So getting out of the way of breathing being a thing that we're doing, but more a thing that we're, it's a, it's a happening. So there's nothing to do. You're not working. You have the opportunity to experience. And then we're going to go into just 30 breaths. We'll just do this twice. And you're going to breathe in through the mouth. So we're going to kind of crank it up into that like fifth gear zone. You could also do this through the nose. It would be a really beautiful thing to do. It's much better breathing mechanics to go through your nose. But we're going to crank it up. Go through the mouth. We're going to do 30 big breaths. So it's going to be like this. So big, strong inhalation. And then you just allow it to fall out. Big, strong inhalation. Allow it to fall out. Try, if you can, bring that breath into the sides of the ribs. Get it down into the low back, into the belly, not just all the way up into the, into the neck. We're going to go 30 breaths of that. And then on the last one, exhale your air. You can, keep, you can breathe in the background right now if you want. You're going to exhale all your air out. And you're going to hold that breath about 10 seconds beyond comfort level. And then you're going to take another breath in, hold it for about 20 seconds, and we'll do that again. So that's the cycle. We will begin now.
hold for just about 20 seconds. Take a few normal breaths. And then we'll get right back into it. Last round, typically do you know three or four rounds. Holding just beyond comfort. Big full inhalation. Hold. As you're in this position, clench your pelvic floor muscles. Bring your chin back, elongating the back of your neck. Look up with your eyes. Imagine there's a string pulling the back of your head up towards the ceiling. Keep squeezing the P muscles. Keep elongating the neck, chin back, get long. And relax. Mm -hmm. 
And we're back, bitches. That's good shit. It's good. <laughs> I felt... Uh, in part two where we were tightening our pelvic floor muscles and looking up you're saying what does that in part what do does with that the pelvic do? floor yeah okay yeah well it's a big part of what it does is it's helpful with creating some contraction elongation through that whole spine and then the looking up with the eyes there's a few interesting things with looking up in the eyes there's a lot of like esoteric eastern philosophical underpinnings to that if you go to any kind of like breathwork classes and maybe like a yoga space or something like that they'll suggest that um some of the western anatomical speak when you're looking up with the eyes um, it's helpful with inducing creativity it's helpful with concentration it's helpful with like engagement when you're looking down it puts you into more of like a restful state mm -hmm. you know so it's like you're turning on that whole channel and the visual aspect is kind of is is turning on, you know, nice. the visual channel. Um, why it's helpful with in Western culture is you know our our uh, many reasons why it's helpful. Our eyes are kind of like glued down and to the right towards our phones, you know. And so you, those visual muscles, you can do this as an interesting kind of experiment right now. Bring your hands behind your. Uh, back of your neck it's called the suboccipital ridge that little those bundle of muscles right underneath the skull and just look forward now look up with your eyes down up down up down up and you'll feel those muscles engaging yes. you feel that wow. amy yeah i've never known that so looking you're, up or down you can feel a muscle at the bottom of your skull top of your neck yeah literally contracting yeah it's called the suboccipital muscles weird. and so so well, not weird at all it's totally <laughs> it's, i mean it's totally I mean, it's totally sensible <clears throat> you know, th think think in any type of sport you your body follows your eyes well right? even thinking about being a hunter gatherer you have to be scanning the forest or the mm -hmm. savanna or the plains yeah so looking for an animal looking for a bird looking for something yeah yeah so those those looking for predators mm -hmm. to protect yourself yeah. So, yeah, neurons that fire, neurons that fire together, wire together. So when you are, um, I didn't make that up, but that's something that's said in these conversations. Um, when you are using those muscles to look up, you know, most of the time when you're looking up, you're also going to be looking up with the rest of your musculoskeletal yep. system, mm -hmm. in this case, like your neck. Yep. You know, and so your eyes, think of your, your visual muscles kind of like reins on a horse. Your body is the horse. All those tendrils tying back from the visual muscles are the, are the reins. Huh. And so when I'm looking up, I'm pulling the reins back. I'm activating those muscles throughout the, you know, through my, my spine. When I'm looking down, I'm going to have the, the inverse of that, essentially. And so you can even feel if you're looking down and to the right, then you're going to be activating the muscles to kind of pull your musculoskeletal system, your mm. spine down to the right. I and literally so, saw my body move or felt true, my body, yeah. my shoulders move whenever I, I looked down into the right. I yeah. studied left shoulder acting came some, forward. and like one of the things that they tell you to do, like in TV acting where the movements are smaller are just to look with your eyes, you know, and mm. like really when you start doing that and you just look at someone with your eyes, it feels so counterintuitive. You'd, have to, like, you'd just, have to decouple it. Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, unless you're like practicing some specific decoupling acting technique or yeah. something like that your body is an integrated system you know and so if you're having some type of muscular imbalance or you know aches and pains or um, you know improve athletic performance 
tying your visual muscles into the the function of the rest of your your body, your musculoskeletal system is is invaluable. This <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Onnit. Onnit.com slash overcome. Oh, I already drank an alpha brain and it was absolutely great. Today, I drank the pineapple punch flavor mm. in my drink. What did you have, Amy? I had my total human, which you includes total human. alpha brain. So yeah. I'm doing my night support, my day support. I'm yeah. feeling really good right now. Yeah. And Aaron yeah. started with a blackberry lemonade flavor of the alpha brain instant. One of my favorites, actually. Yeah, that one's super good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just so thankful to onit.com slash overcome for supporting this podcast, for being a supporter of Fight for the Forgotten. And you know, they are just so incredible to me. When I went to treatment, what did they do? They continued to support saying, we are behind you. I got to go share with the executive team, with the coaches, with uh, my workout partners, one of being Aaron Alexander, who's always up there with me. And uh, thank you so much, Aaron, for being on the show. But also, if you want to support this podcast, please do by going to onit.com slash overcome. Take care of your personal health, your nutritional health. Get some alpha brain because that will support your brain health, but also their krill oil, support your joint health, get your vitamin D spray. I've been using their vitamin D. My favorite fruit in the world is passion fruit. The passion fruit flavor spray, just five what? sprays on my tongue a day. Yeah. You didn't what? know I was doing what that? You doing it's this? under the sink. On oh my, my side of the sink. What? It's incredible. You're I love it. Totally we need to get you some. hiding this from me. I, wasn't I hiding want it. some. You know, it's really good. It's oh my, my favorite God. flavor of anything they've I made. I didn't know you had that or were doing it. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm getting my vitamin D up back. because with Ways to Well, I found out that my vitamin D levels were too low and I need to have that for one makes to fight difference. off depression, anxiety, depression, or uh, my addiction, but also for uh, COVID, all that stuff. You need your vitamin D levels up high. So I'm getting that I'm through in. my vitamin D spray with Onnit. So get yourself a savings right now, 30% off of the total human at onnit.com slash overcome. Save yourself 10% on any of their supplements store-wide. Don't forget their fitness equipment. Uh, they have the great kettlebells, the Indian clubs. They have all sorts of goodies there. I have my shaker bottle here, the Onnit blender bottle. And you will be very happy. Yeah, and give it as a purchase. Give it as a healthy gift to people like your SO, yeah. your significant other. Well, that's what I'll do. I'll Spray give you some, some D of that. in their mouth. Spray that sounds <laughs> totally dirty, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and hey, also remember this: you can try a free trial of basically anything. I at least know you can have a free trial of Alpha Brain. If you haven't tried it yet, please do. It, why don't you try a second? If you have, if I have tried it in the past, why don't you try their Alpha Brain Black Label? You can get a free trial of that. I think of Total Human, but I know of New Mood, which New Mood is an awesome way to, if you have stress in the day, anxiety, you can take it any time of the day and you won't get tired, but also a great way to relax before you go to bed. New Mood with their 5-HTP and uh, everything else that's in it that's really, really good. So thank you, Onnit, for supporting this podcast. Go to onnit.com slash overcome. Save yourself some money. Take care of your health. Also help us take care of the show and fight for the forgotten. Thank you, Onnit. I love you absolutely love you. Thanks so much. On it. On it. Man, the thing that I love about you is there's people that take care of their health because they know they should. Or there's people that, that take care of themselves because it's kind of vain in, in some ways. But 
you just live and breathe and eat this shit up, taking care of yourself. It's like a hobby and helping others. It will, it's a hobby. <laughs> it's a job. It's a way of like, life. Like, like some a, people are into like cars or like guns. I like cars and guns, but I also like you love the human body. The body. Yeah. yeah. You love your human body, other people's bodies. Like, yeah. like you, you, you just, you inspire me in that way, man. And you can teach me and have taught me so much about physical health. And we get to go up uh, to on it and work out there. And we're always changing it up and having fun. And uh, it's, I consider you a coach and a mentor, but also just a really great friend and workout training partner. And part of my journey, get back into the cage and fighting. Yeah. But I mean, I also think we can have a great topic of discussion for both physical health, mental health, how those things all tie in together and almost spiritual health, because this is a way of life for you. You live it, you breathe it. And one of the questions I had while you were talking with, with Amy, especially about the eyes and everything, I was, I don't know why that triggered it, but, but of course it makes sense. And so I thought about what's something really simple that just makes sense that you could expand upon. And I was like, how much different, how much better would people's lives be? Anyone listening to this, if they just drank more water, ate better foods and slept more. Yeah. I mean, just so hydrate, eat well, sleep better. And move. And move. Yeah. Right. And move. I mean, would that be uh, most people? It's a night and day difference if you just intentionally did those things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything, if anything is really convoluted, complex, you know, like Einstein has, has a quote, something like, if you can't teach it to a fourth grader, you don't really understand it. I don't know if he said fourth or third <laughs> yeah, or yeah, fifth yeah. or whatever, but you can't teach it to like a, a, a young elementary type person. You, you don't get it right yet. Yeah. You know, if you can tell you can draw the analogy back into like a choo-choo train of, you know, red blood cells <laughs> going through the cardiovascular yeah. system or whatever, like that's when you're like, ah, like it's actually not that complicated. Yeah. You know, and 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 with all of the the minutia of the perfect blend of of supplements and am I keto enough or carnivore enough or vegan enough or, you know, there's so many different fads and trends that that are transpiring all the time. And I, I think all of them are, are fine. I'm not like mad at anything. Uh, but that being said, there are consistent truths, like, like the foundational bedrock that just does not change. Getting outside, exposing yourself to nature with regularity doesn't change. Yeah. You know, moving your body with some level of regularity, you know, there's like maybe different iterations of that. There's like the, the hard hitting, crossfit competitive high volume high speed type workout and then just totally maybe after that for some people they might have uh it's called it it's called a, a an illusory invulnerability is some chinese researchers came up with a term for that where you exercise a lot and then you feel like okay cool now i can just screw off and eat ice cream cones and just like lay around and watch that's Netflix me all day. the chinese guys uh, it's a lot of, it's a they, lot of people they, they discovered that about me that's a strange it's a strange awesome. it's a really strange aberration of, of, yeah. of physical it's weird it's weird that function. you think you think that I, I was actually about to share this a minute ago is like it's it's unique that you're saying move move mm-hmm. not unique yeah but i think a lot of people think once i worked out now i earned rest that's a weird way to live yeah yeah, so the, the idea that like I earned my ice cream cone, or I earned my cheat day, or I earned to to me, 
if that works for you, I love it. I'm I've, I'm so open to whatever people are into. If you're a breathitarian, I'm like, that's so cool. I love that. Tell me, but it doesn't work for me. Doesn't seem intuitively you breathitarian. Yeah, there's like people that claim they they, they just they just breathe. Uh, oh, no. yeah, and like and like sunlight. You know, they can make like derive know. prana energy, whatever. It's a bunch okay. of a bunch of. I I don't I don't. So like, good for them if it works. But what would your ideal way be? You're like, okay, that. The working out the this I, so you earn your rest. The what's I, what's the ideal for you? What what works for you? Overlaying the principles that have been consistent throughout millennia in our ancestral history, at least the stories that we would tell ourselves about that into our modern world. So mm-hmm. the way that you would live in any type of pretty much any type of hunter gatherer type setting yeah. would be you would move a little bit throughout the day oh, yeah. with occasional bouts of of higher intensity. Yep. You would rest with the cycles of the sun, which I'm not the best at. I'd really like to sort that out with myself. I tend to get up to bed closer to like 11 or 1130. Be so cool if I got to bed at like 10 and I was like up at six. Um, You know, so that's something that I have some work within myself. Uh, But when I do that, I feel better for sure. Um, You know, so so have have a a, a really strong, consistent relationship with um, the sun. You know, so when the sun's out. Do the stuff when the sun's down, start to adapt yourself to red light, you know, so maybe light some candles in your place. Maybe get some salt lamps. Maybe if you have a fireplace, that's so cool. Like light a fire. We so so romantic, like, like being these things, these things that would be deemed to be like romantic for the most part, for the most part are just things that would organically happen in nature. Yeah. Well, you're saying that. And I love that perspective because I have a unique perspective because I lived with hunter gatherer tribe for a year at one time and two years in total now over the last 10 years and their way of life, they only go into their hut, which is twigs and leaves, um, literally twigs about the size of our thumb Mm. and then leaves like banana leaves or elephant ear type leaves. And you know, you can literally not just punch, but poke a hole through the, through your wall and your ceiling. Right. Mm. Um, the only time they go in there is to rest and to sleep at night. And, um, but it's not like a, a, a comfortable place where you go retreat to and board yourself off from humanity or your neighbors. Right. It's like, uh, they wake up early when the sun's coming up before, right before their circadian rhythm or whatever is already waking them up because it's time to start the day. Yeah. The women go out and gather, the men go out and hunt. Whenever the sun is up and it's the canopy of the rainforest, so they're normally in the shade. But after they try the hunting in the morning and they, if they get something, they come back, they cook it up, they eat, they feast. Yeah. But if they miss it, they come back and they rest. They take a small siesta and, or sw- I don't know what Swahili is, actually, Lala Salama. Um, and they take a quick nap and then they get up and they go back out and do it again. They're moving. Yeah. yeah. Unless they're working for somebody, but they're the way that they live together, they move, they're walking through nature and the sun and they're watching the moon and the animals. And it's just a beautiful way of life. They're not sitting down all day in a cubicle, but they they are, they are resting a lot though. So that's, and that's, and that's a misconception. The other thing I would add in, in that, like overlaying the more ancestral approach to existence into modern day living would be the way that we eat, Uh, Mm. you know, so understanding the sourcing of your food, right? You know, like that, not that, not that crazy of an idea to be like, cool, if I'm going to eat a piece of beef, you know, or, or a, an apple, um, where did it come from? What's the right. story? Is it doused in pesticides? Has it been injected with antibiotics? Was it stacked on top of its brothers and sisters and feces and on like a concrete, you know, slab 
yeah. polluting the rivers and like you are content you are continuous with your environment yeah and so if you're a part of voting with your dollars which i think is like one of the prime like most meaningful votes that we have is what we actually purchase for uh that style of uh husbandry or that style of of animal welfare animal care um it will that will trickle back into the water that you drink and the mm-hmm. you know that your kids drink and yeah. the soil quality and so on and so forth and it's really easy to villainize people who eat, eat animals because they have faces but if you're monocropping a large swath of sto- soil you know it, think of the the thousands of of creatures that you're destroying yeah, in the yeah. process of that yeah. and then your the pesticides are clearing and then you're them. and then you're tilling that that top layer of soil all right, so now you're releasing this um, this massive amount of of um, carbon dioxide up into the the atmosphere, right? Because that's where it's all stored, um, and you're also taking out those those perennial plants, which those roots go deep deep down in the soil and pour water down through, and you know, yeah. affects with the groundwater, and then the, the, all of the the fertilizers and stuff that you're putting on that soil, it just rolls out into the into the waterways. Now it's into the fish. Now yep. it's, it's back to you. Yeah. So you're not a hero because you don't eat things with a face like we're continually transferring energy through plants and fruits and vegetables and animals and all that it's the sourcing that like that's the it's the same thing the bread the bedrock consistent conversation with any food is what is the sourcing yeah the bedrock consistent conversation like there's 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 continual truths throughout and then there's the minutia that we argue about on social media Right. But understanding that sourcing, I think, is is more valuable, is is valuable beyond just the the nutrients that you're getting on your plate in that moment. You know, there's like a karmic imprint yeah. to it. To not just you, but your your friends, your family, your kids, and you know, that like the, the longevity of of Earth. Yeah, that's really interesting because I you know, training for fights, I get uh, sometimes a lot of meal prepping and, uh, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't know where the source is. And then there's other times that I, I, I have fluctuated, right. From really not caring, um, because I'm just hungry or other times I really do care. And I, I've been exploring more thinking about more, how could I get a partnership with a person, whether they're local here in Austin, um, or a, uh, a, some farm that they truly treat their land almost like I saw my pygmy family doing yeah. over in Africa that like, they're like one with the land. They care for the land. They care for the animals. They do that stuff. And, and out in California where you were, there's Bel Campo down in Georgia. There's not, another not, one. Not anymore, but yeah, look not up anymore. any, any regenerative. Right, yeah. They, they closed down, but any regenerative farm, like I, ideally the human regenerative in, farming, that's the word. Yeah. Sustainable regenerative. Yeah. Farming. And having, having ruminant animals, you know, cows or elephants or buffalo or you know big creatures that are stomping around pooping and peeing fertilizing the ground they are perpetuating the growth of of healthy topsoil Mm -hmm. so they can take potentially desertified land and you know our marginal land and suddenly you know actually be sequestering carbon and uh, making it fertile for future crops to come you know so it's it's about working with not working on top of so it's the same concept, you know, everything that I do with the, you know, the, the book or any, you know, anything, anything like most of my thoughts around movement are largely inspired by permaculture. Mm. And so how do we make our fitness with our life as opposed to our fitness, this compartmentalized thing that we do for 40 minutes, three days a week. 
you know, so how do we make our, our, our nutrition, you know, our farming practices, how do we make that with nature? Hmm. And one really beautiful solution for that would be supporting regenerative farms. Right. And what do you, what do you say would be the easiest, lowest hanging fruit for not just that, but for implementing these things in our daily life? I know that you have so many suggestions and great tips and tidbits and, and ways to live this through your book. So I'd, I'd suggest everyone to go get the line method and where can that be found? Um, I mean, it'd be great if you walk to a bookstore, bookstore, yeah. you know, there'd be great targets and Barnes and Nobles or yeah. whatever, but you know, Amazon's where most people probably will just press right. the button. But go to a bookstore. Cause that, that's actually, I know that from publishing my own book, um, or having a book that was published by Simon Schuster, uh, the bookstores were better for the nonprofit and me and, uh, Simon and Schuster was getting it at an actual bookstore. Yeah. It was more supportive. So if, if you can go to a bookstore, get the line method for sure. You can't do that, then get it on Amazon secondary. Yeah, but I think that the question, the original question that I was going to ask on that was, what's the easiest, lowest hanging fruit to be able to start implementing these things into your life? Like when yeah. I'm with you, it doesn't matter if we're here on the podcast or if you're at our home or I'm at your place or if we're at a restaurant, you are moving, you are stretching, you are sitting in, in ways that like, I just look at it now and I'm like, wow, you know, like, uh, I wish I did more of that. Hmm. And so for me or for anyone listening, like to be healthier in body and mind, we're going to get to the mental health side of things too. But um, I think by being more in your body, making that more at home, being more intentional with that, the side effect is that we are mind and body and spirit that you will improve mental health by improving your body. Yeah. That mean, well, one, we're already talking about mental health, but, but yeah, but the second part, you become the product and shape of your environment. You know, Winston Churchill has a quote that I, I include in there is, is uh, first we shape our houses and then our, our houses shape us. Hmm. You know, so you have these, Whoa. these ideas and concepts of like, Oh, cool. We'll put like, maybe we'll, we'll do like a, like a, like a bar area there. And that way we can kind of have like a party and we can do drinks there. And we have people that's we'll have like a dance floor spot. I'm going to put a, a stripper pole in the corner, you know, or I'm going to do a, a couch and a dinner table and a big screen TV and uh, TV trays, some TV trays, yeah. you know, we'll put some chairs around the bar there. And then uh, there's not a lot of space for much other stuff. So we'll just kind of we'll make it kind of like a, like a Netflix area, you know, so yeah. you come into your home and your only potential is You're primed kitchen cook stuff. Uh, there's nothing that's, that's down below the height of like your knees, essentially, you know, so you're never going to get your hips down below the height of your knees. So that's going to probably be pretty much a lost space for most Westerners, your toilet down to 90 degrees, your bed down to 90 degrees, everything in your kitchen down to, you know, whatever you can like lean over and grab it, uh, your couch, nine degrees, or just like, kind of like, like falling onto it, your car seat, your plane, your train, your automobile, like every, like your, your desk. Every aspect of your life is in this archetypal hunched over. If you saw any animal in nature in this position, you'd think they're sick or depressed position. Wow. It's crazy. Sick, sad, or sorry. Yeah. Crazy. When you it think of when you, when you actually stand back and observe without the, the, the stories and definitions of what it means to be a successful person in like, you know, your your fancy car and like the door opens for you and the trunk opens for you. And then you kind of just plop yourself into like the bucket seat, you know, and then you kind of get out. It's like the only thing missing is there's like a, if there was like a wedge to kind of pull your, your ass out of the car, 
Yeah. Know, like that would be like, like that would be the next level of, yeah. of, of, of convenience for the car. Yeah. It's like everything is just done. Yep. And you're, it's just allows you to be in that same position archetypal at all times. screen position. Yep. And I'm not even mad at that position. It's fine. Like whatever you're into, it's, it's totally great. But first define what are your goals and what, right. where do you want to end up? Yeah. And from a, a, a mental, emotional, structural, physiolo- physiological perspective, I think most people probably would prefer some strength, some flexibility, yeah. some adaptability. To be able to move longevity. in old age. Yeah, long, longevity. Longevity is the big one. And the number one leading, and this, so this kind of all ties back, and the, the number one leading reason for elderly needing assisted living is fall risk. Hmm. I mean, Because they've been bi- so stationary. Been not so stationary because they lack that range of motion of the hips going below the height of the knees. Mm. It's an abandoned position in Western culture. Mm. Crazy. Well, it is crazy. I'm thinking about back. I can relate it back to the pygmy people again, but their chairs are stones or logs, or sometimes they make these uh, little stools out of sticks or it's the ground and they're in this deep squatted position. And for the first two, two months, I think I got it around starting on month three, but I didn't have a toilet, right? For a full year, like mm. not, not one time. And so no running water and I would dig a hole in the ground. And uh, sometimes I was trying to use a, a tree uh, with my back and doing those like wall sits um, to have a bowel movement. Oh yeah. And all, all the pygmies were like this Western <laughs> asshole. No. Literally, literally and figuratively. Do you, want, do you want to know the real story of the Western <laughs> asshole? Uh, I went to this uh, village, Andy Quaqua. It means the place of rebels. And uh, I was the only one with toilet paper, right? And oh, so, it's so was, weird. Yeah. If you got some fecal matter on your forearm, would you ever just rub some bleached paper into it? Like, we're so dumb. Like Western yeah. culture, I mean, we're brilliant. Like yeah. we're, we're going to the space and we have Elon Musk and we, you know, like there's so many cool, like technology, you have all the answers to, the, to every question ever in your pocket. Like we're incredibly intelligent, but physically yeah. we're divorcing ourselves from that. Yeah. So I was out there and you're right. I, I, uh, I had been, I, I had a stomach bug. I had something called Shigella, which is like an intestinal bacteria that can literally somewhat, uh, and, and younger like babies and stuff, they can get over it pretty quick with medication. But whenever it really sets in on you as an adult, like you can like dissolve your intestines and stuff. It's, it's pretty brutal. And so I got that and was out there and it hit me. And it's just kind of one of those things where I'm in a new village, new night. We got there after dark, we hit our truck with behind trees behind trees and then with trees, like the branches, like hiding our, like trying to camouflage our truck. We get out there after dark. The reason we camouflaged our truck was because there was a shot up 18 wheeler lorry that they had shot up, looted all that stuff. Just, we drove past that, like right before we're parking in this village and we're like, Oh shoot, like that just happened. Um, so we better hide this thing. So I get out there and then all of a sudden my stomach hits me and I'm like, where am I going to go? I haven't been shown around the village. I don't know where they normally go. And it's just out in the forest, but I just wanted anyways. So I take a little footpath. I take another footpath. I think I get off the path and here's a log. I get on the, uh, like this big log, walk across to get to the other side. And now I'm like surrounded by like, uh, it's basically like a Creek and it's, it's dark. So I I don't know where to go. Um, I get back on the log. I start walking and all of a sudden my stomach, it hits me. I have nowhere, no time uh, to find anywhere else. And there was this hole in the the tree, the trunk of the 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 big log. And uh, so I just 
dropped it right there and went, went to the restroom, but I have the toilet paper. So I used that, put it in there. I was going to collect it the next day or whatever, come back and cover it up. And um, anyways, I didn't have a bag with me, didn't have enough time. Uh, so the next day, I don't know, have I told you the story? Mm-hmm. I haven't, right? Yeah. No. So next day they're taking us on a tour and it's the chief, it's the elders, it's their wives. And they're all walking us around, showing us, you know, how not to get lost and die in the middle of the rainforest. Um, and you know, there's elephants out there, there's, uh, leopards, there's different things. So they're showing, showing us like where their domain is out in the forest. And what I love about the forest is it's always alive. I mean, the, the birds, the monkeys, um, you're the insects, you're hearing it at all, all hours. You're never alone. And so we're walking and all of a sudden I see us go to this footpath and then all of a sudden they're jumping on this log and I'm like, surely that's not the same one. This looks different, but it was. And anyways, they like stop and they're having to jump over that. And they're like looking down, like, what is that? Who would do that? What is that paper? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it just didn't make any sense. I was obviously embarrassed. What an interesting I was just metaphor. Like, yeah. I was just thinking like, how, how, how goofy is this that one i didn't realize that for the next 10 months uh or at least nine months uh when you were in that deep of a squat to have a bowel movement kind of like the squatty potty helps you do yeah you don't need as much toilet paper hardly at all because you're just more open yeah it's more open it literally it literally elongates it's quicker it elongates the, the the rectum so you have, it's called the anorectal angle when you are in a standing position your rectum will go into more of an angled position it's a muscle called the anorectalis that wraps around the front of it. And uh, sorry, puborectalis that wraps around the front of it. And when you go into a deep squat position, that muscle relaxes mm. and your anorectal angle, uh, your poop shoot elongates for you to have a, a health, a healthy defecation. Yeah. So it's like, it's literally, we, again, it's, it's, it's modernity in many ways as, as brilliant as modern culture has been. Um, with technology at least uh, physiologically we're like working against ourselves yeah and and the toilet is is a perfect example of that yeah. like it literally puts your body at a disadvantageous position to have a healthy poo yeah. meanwhile people have constipation and hemorrhoids and mm-hmm. you know like even just the concept of toilet paper is just another idea where it's just like that doesn't make sense like w- water I feel like, water I feel like it's really trending right now to the movement away from toilet paper or maybe it's just on my no, algorithm i don't know you, like, you guys would appreciate uh, mickey agrawal she's she's a good friend she lives know, here in austin i've met mickey and, and she she's tushy. a total badass tushy. yeah yeah, yeah we've talked she's about tushy. Like we rent yeah. we rent so we haven't put it in our house oh it's not a big deal I'll just buy one it's like just i think, I think they're like 70 80 bucks or something like that and you just strap it on it's a short amount of time to get on there what's your ideal bathroom setup like well, from from that, have you know a squatty potty, or if you're no for you, like if you had your dream. Oh, I would bathroom, probably. What would that be? I mean, I I honestly, yeah, I like like Latin America and Asia, where I just there's a a platform like two feet positions, and you uh-huh. go and take a poop like you would in the woods. Yeah, it seems crazy. Like it seems like this barbaric idea but it's actually like way more supportive and then okay so i so ideal hold on ideal 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 is is that and also outside so i have some friends um in a handful of locations in my life that have that have had this set up like an outdoor toilet situation outdoor shower situation all that so ideal would be having a vista you know, so oh, yeah. get some natural sunlight, have a vista, be able to look out over the horizon. Poop with a view. Poop with a view. <laughs> Poop with a view. 
And so what's what's helpful about that as well is, again, your visual system's tied into the rest of your autonomic nervous system. So when you are in that panoramic viewing so literally mode, better. Like, literally better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not wise for you to hunch up onto your toilet, stare into a cell phone and take like a hemorrhoidal constipated poo that takes you, you know, nine minutes. Wow. It's very weird. <laughs> wow. To get your toilet. Ready. Listen yeah. up, everybody. <laughs> It's weird, but but I think I think uh, I mean I don't know that colon cancer has increased, but I'm sure with everything we put in our bodies, and then how we don't actually empty our colons completely because of the position we're in, mm. like it's always constantly sitting there. So there's just lots of complications. I'm not saying that's the cause of. I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying that's the cause of. No, I'm not a doctor. Justin Red uh, is not a, doctor? not a doctor. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm out of here. Making me call you a doctor. <laughs> I only talk to doctors. <laughs> but okay, so to switch from that though, to go from that shit to yeah. the shit up here in our minds and our head. Yeah, same thing. Like how how do you get that out? How That's do you segue, help people in? In areas of mental health, I mean, it says right here, sharper mind, stress-proof life. Yeah. Well, you're, what are some of the key things, key takeaways? I mean, so there's so much. Like, so one, there's all the, you can draw whatever kind of like, I mean, I think most people get, it's pretty easy for most people to grok that when your body feels good, you feel good. Yeah. Right. If you feel fast, if you feel light, if you feel flexible, you feel strong, you step up, you're doing a deadlift, you're, you're like, you're jacked up. You're like, whoa, like nothing could, nothing could hurt me. Right. You're going into the, you're going into the octagon. You're, right. you're stepping in. You're like, you got your strut going. You're like, oh, like you just feel like I'm impervious to anything. That's a, a, a musculoskeletal, structural, physiological, mental, emotional entanglement. Mm -hmm. That's always happening. You know, so if you are practicing a position to feel and we'll get into some actual this is kind of more just speaking, you know, like from a, a logical, intuitive place. Like it's like most people can get that, I think. Uh, and then, you know, there's the the anytime you're doing some type of, of study, you know, doing backing things with scientific evidence, you're isolating specific variables to paint a picture that the the, the researchers were intending to paint in the first place. So most all of the data is kind of noisy, yeah. You know, because it's like we're, we're 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 it's like we're painting a picture with research for the most part. Uh, but that being said, there's been a ton of research um, comparing antidepressant med medications like like Zoloft and the various ones to aerobic exercise, mm -hmm. and pretty consistently across the board, they're like comparable. Yeah, and the, the and the, the value with that, and there was actually I mean people look there's there is a I think it was 2006, there was a meta-analysis of, I think it was 11 different research studies, all testing the same thing. And they're all like, yep, exercise. That's, you know, it's it's at least at par with antidepressants. That's not saying if you're having some type of, I'm, you know, I'm also not a doctor yeah, yeah. Um, and not a psychiatrist or a psychologist or anything of the sort. Um, so talk to somebody about it. But if the person that you're talking to about it isn't including any lifestyle yeah. recommendations, talk to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like if they you, say, here's a pill for that and that's it. Yeah. Talk to somebody not, else. Not like here's how, definitely to, here's talk how, to, somebody here's else. how to stay away from taking the pill or you have to yeah, take what's this my, pill what's my and supplement it. Yeah. With here's, oh, things. cool. You rolled your ankle a couple of weeks. Here's a crutch. Yeah. This isn't my solution. Yeah. 
This isn't, I'm saying, cool, here's a crutch for the rest of your life. I'm saying, use this crutch for just as long as you need it. Because now, again, your whole structural system is starting to form itself to that crutch. Right. A person, healthy person doesn't walk with a crutch. And when you're doing that, now suddenly you're activating, you're, you're, you're activating this whole orchestra of movements that's totally different than locomotion, like typical gait patterning. So I don't want your musculoskeletal, your neuromuscular system to adapt to the shape of that crutch. I would hope that if you are seeing someone that's recommending some type of pharmaceutical medication, there's some plan to say, okay, things are bad, bad, (laughs) you know, like in this moment, I think this will help us get, you know, across the river. Now, after that, we have the raft. Now, how do we start to like, let go of the raft and like teach you how to walk through the woods, Mm. you know? And so, so that's an interesting thing that uh, exercise is at least at par with medications without the deleterious side effects, which is like massive. And then along with that, you're starting to change, you know, not just the, your, your lifestyle, but you're literally changing your whole physiology. Now, suddenly maybe you're a little bit more confident because, you know, you don't feel overweight, you know, maybe the bags into your eyes are starting to, to go away a little bit. Maybe you're starting to get some complexion in your skin. Maybe you're starting to get now enough vitamin D vitamin levels D, yeah. and, you know, that, which is also associated to not only immune conditions, but depression yep. and all things. Absolutely. If you're a dark person, if you're a black person, you're from Africa, you're from Middle East, you're from, you know, someplace that gets a lot of sun and suddenly you move to Portland, Oregon, mm. you need to go out of your way to get all of the sun or you're asking for you know, issues, particularly around depression and things of the sort. Yeah. You know, season, what is it called? Seasonal affectation disorder, seasonal, seasonal, something that Seattle, Portland, right? Yeah. Mm. That's also a standard American diet, but yeah, you know, and so, and so so it's like exercise, seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. That's the word. Thank you. Mm. So exercise ideally isn't just, I am a rat and I am running on a wheel and I am moving my parts with no, uh, affect you know and no emotion and no engagement and no community Mm. and no problem solving and no music and no nature and no variables that's movement Mm. our concept because largely our minds come from two-dimensional textbooks because that's what we learn from you know and most of the conversations that we have like this are based off of you know empirical research and meta-analysis and studies and you know, so it's like most of that is still contained into a box and we try to fit that box into our organic system. It's there's still separation there. You know, so the concept of getting into like the magic of of movement and the magic of nutrition and the magic of relationship. And the, like, could you imagine some research study really breaking down the entirety of love, like the meaning of love? Like, like, no way. Yeah. It's not going to happen with movement either. Like a, a part of, of, of coming to a place where you're really, you know, like living that life is letting go of all of the stories. Letting go of the stories. Yeah. Uh, we listened to that in the meditation that Aaron and I had before we came in. I showed him, oh, the, show. Yeah, I, yeah. I showed him the song I found yesterday with Trevor Hall, the old story that Amy and I I had a powerful this, moment with last night. Or, this yeah. old story, yeah. the the old story by the Trevor story. Hall, and then where that's interesting. I wanted to talk about about this when we were listening to the the story song. You're 
there's a, a story in your the way that you move. Mm. Right. So like you're like mm. a chapter book, you know, so every event that you've had recently, you rolled your ankle. Yeah. That's imprinted in your physical story. Yeah. If someone has a, a knee thing or a hip thing or a scoliosis or, a you know, a forward head posture or a, anything, if you're a sensitive person that understands some level of, of kinesthetics and you know, of movement or you're just generally sensitive, you could be able to kind of start to parse that story apart immediately upon meeting somebody. Mm. We met a whole bunch of people here, you know, today before this, each person had their own movement story. Right. And I'm, I'm like so enamored by, um, you know, just like, like, you know, looking into it, you know, playing with it. I'm not always right, but it's just, it's, it's another way. It's like learning about space, you know? And then, and so if you just look up to the stars and you're just like, Mm -hmm. cool, like black stuff, light stuff. Okay. You know? you know, back to Instagram, you know, but if you look up to space and you have an astronomer with you, you know, and you spent maybe three hours in an observatory and they're breaking down like black holes and gravity and orbits and like the the earth is moving. However, the heck fat 23,000 miles an hour. I'm I'm making that up. We're we're moving real fast, you know, and you start to input some data into like what's really going on here. You look up into the sky and you're like, wow, it's like awe inspiring. Yeah, for sure. You know, and so that same concept, it's like if you just become interested in um, the way people move and the stories they're telling, suddenly, one, life is just more interesting and more engaging. Two, you become more effective at life. Let me let just add one thing with that. When people are, there was, there was some research that we included in the book as well that was um, done taking uh, inmates that were in jail for violent crimes. And they showed the 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 inmates uh, various different people walking down the street and asked them who would be your target, like who would you be your ideal target of these people. And the differentiating factor wasn't sex, it wasn't race, it wasn't you know anything. It was what was it just, posture? No. Yeah, yeah, it was postural patterns. Wow. So their their level of of the the language they used was wholeness. Okay. The wholeness in the way they move. You know, the, yeah. the, the original meaning of health is, is whole. It's like an old English word. I think it's like help whole, you know? So when a person moves with wholeness, mm. it's, you're like, I don't want to mess with that person. They're, they're they have potential to defend, to run, to like, they're, they're integrated. I'm, I'm like, Ugh. it's like this, there's like this aura yeah. around that person. And, you know, I don't know much about auras and stuff, but maybe they're, they're actually, as I'm kind of joking about that, um, you know, and, and. So it's a person that feels like they know where they're going. You know, they have like an intentionality about the way that they're moving and there's not dysregulation or disorganization. If you're disorganized, you're easy to pick apart. Same thing in fighting. Same thing in fighting for sure. I can exploit someone's weakness once I just watch the fight film. I'm like, ah, they got a tendency. It's almost like in poker, you're picking up on their tells. Yep. He's telling me something with the way that he's moving. Yep. The way he's dropping his hand here with the way that he's, he's stepping with his foot over here instead of doing it the right way. Yeah. Um, and that's interesting because you are so interested in people's story from movement, but also in their lives that you were able to pick up on one thing with me that no therapist, no doctor, no New York times bestselling author of like these, these psychology and different things uh, could pick up on for me. And it goes back to my bullying story. Mm. And uh, 
ironically, I think that finding wrestling was my way out of being bullied. But from like eight years old to 13 years old, and there was stuff that happened at another school, there was stuff that happened at home. But I started going to a new school from the very first day I was bullied. First day of third grade. That was the first day that I was actually bullied by a, a bunch of kids. And it was like, I think my body language, I think the way that I was timid, I think uh, my haircut, I think, I think the way that I became heavy set all of a sudden and, and went to depression at a young age was clinically diagnosed at 13. I think all those things had me carry myself differently to where I would be a loner. I would sit at the lunch table by myself after trying to sit down with some people and them saying like, no, not him because of the way I probably presented myself at that young age sure. to where at 13 years old, whenever I threw away my costume, I went to this costume party and I was a Dr. Pepper transformer. And when I threw away the cardboard box and uh, the 24 pack on the head, 12 packs on the arm and the duct tape on my hands, or I had the duct tape on my hands and, and pushed up the the dumpster and there's probably ice cream from Dairy Queen where I ran away to and threw this stuff away. Um, I had sticky hands. I don't know if you remember that yeah, part yeah, of the story. Yeah, and you're like version of sticky hands. Yeah. And I, 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 I absolutely have a, I've worked through it a lot actually since our conversation on your podcast. Yeah. Um, but that used to drive me wild having, mm. I, I was never OCD about anything else really much, but when it came to sticky hands, I had to clean them. Yeah. Had to get them clean. Because after that moment, I had the sticky hands from the dumpster and wrapping my arms around my legs, which also had duct tape on it, the residue of the duct tape and the stickiness of that. I just, and I never related to that, that to that and no therapist, no doctor had or counselor had ever pointed out, I wonder if that's why you don't like sticky hands. Yeah. But in our conversation, you picked up on it right away. Yeah, those clues are everywhere. The thing that, the thing that you uh, said in that, that I think is really interesting and relevant and probably not spoken about enough or thought about enough is even so, so one language is incredibly powerful yeah um you know so the idea that even the idea that i carry myself is mm. also a recapitulation of a story yeah that i have to do something yeah to be effective yeah you know, to, 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 I have to hold myself up. I have to keep my shoulders back and I have to, it's like the way, like that I, Alan Watts has a bit about that. He says like that most people, if they lay down on the ground, they have this subconscious fear that they'll like disappear or turn to jello if they actually relax. And so when they lay down on the ground, they still have these, these Ooh. tensional, like, hold and their shoulders are up and their, you know, maybe their pelvic floor muscles are, yeah. are, are tightened or maybe their abs are tight. You know, there's so many people that I've worked with doing rolfing and various different forms of, of manual therapy where like they cannot unclench their abs. It's like this Im, Im, impermeable wall. You will not touch this, this vulnerable part of me. Mm. You're not getting in. And then through lots of different, you know, we have all sorts of different exercises and things like that we do. Eventually they start to slowly open up. But that person that walks around the world from the place that I have to hold myself together all the time, it's fine for a moment. You can hold yourself together and get through from point A to point B. But from a longevity conversation, if you're in a place where you're continually actively engaged to kind of just like work through this thing, it's just incredibly tiring. You know, and eventually you're going to get worn out. Coming back to the martial artist person, yeah. the person that would be, and again, I'm, I, I, you know, you know all about this. I don't. Um, so please, like at any point, just, you know, correct. 
but if you were able, hypothetically, you found a person that was maybe more like Bruce Lee, like say, you know, he'd be an obvious one to come back to Muhammad Ali. He had like a levity to him as well that I, I feel like um, perhaps it would be harder to track his patterning because he's so supple, so relaxed. He can go into some type of pattern and then reset back into relaxation. Yeah. Go into pattern, be, set back into relaxation. Junior. Rafael Lovato uh, Jr., who's going to be on the show, he's the only man in martial arts that I've ever in my entire life felt claustrophobic underneath. Interesting. And I've trained with at least five guys, heavyweight, that were training for the UFC championship fight or were champions or the current champs. I could get put in worst case scenario with them. They could have full mount. They could have my back. And that's where we would start from so that they can maintain position, try to finish the fight. Right. Yeah. And uh, I would never freak out. I would never uh, feel like, and they might get the best of me and starting in that bad position and we restart, but I never felt actually physically claustrophobic. Mm. The reason is because Raphael is so in tune with his body, lifelong martial artist that he knows just turn an inch here, yeah. take my body up an inch there, yeah. you know, like, and it's, and if I had to compare him to something, it, his weight, although he's only 185 pounds when he fights, but he's six foot four. So he's really long. He is so intentional about every single movement and having all his weight on you, not any of it on the floor that he's taking your wind away, your breath away. And it's like almost like a, like a wet blanket of like hot melting Velveeta cheese on top of you to where you can't breathe. You can't get it off. You can't get away. He's just smothering you. Yeah. It's almost like a, a, a fire hose being pointed at you of that, that hot melted Velveeta cheese that, that you can't get away from. It's just swarming you. It's overwhelming you. And it's not, I'm a big, strong guy, Yeah, big, strong guy that, that whenever we come together, it's not rock versus rock. Like he's, He's going around it. He's going under it. He's going over top of it. Yeah. He's just flowing all around to where it's not this big clash that normally at heavyweight, you have this big clash with these guys and who's going to win. And that's a product of muscular intelligence, mm. you know, and then I would say muscular intelligence is also, will will tie into every other part of your humanity. Mm. And you know, so I would think when you're learning a new skill, say you're trying to rollerblade for the first time, or you're playing ping pong for the first time or anything. What you'll do is you'll close down certain joints in the body because you're trying to stabilize. Yeah. yeah. And so now suddenly you have this really like stiff, rigid way to do it because you're like, okay, I only have so much bandwidth to focus. I'm There's such a cacophony of information going on right now. I'm just going to tighten up and close everything down and just kind of like ugh, swing the racket. Yeah. And so what you're doing with this, so then it's like, okay, now it's like an effective piano player. It's about the keys that they don't hit. Mm -hmm. An ineffective piano player is like, it's just like all the keys are getting smacked. An ineffective mover is smacking a lot of keys. An effective mover that's just had the, that time to just work on those reps and feel so relaxed mm. and calm. It feels almost magical. It does. You know, like that's, that's like, um, uh, you know, magicians would be a great example of that as well. It, like it seems like what they're doing, it's like it's impossible for you to be so good at this, but it's because they're so relaxed because they've practiced for so long. Mm. And so with, uh, you know, magicians or martial artists yeah. or, or dancers or any of that, all of that, sometimes I think those conversations can be interesting, but almost like alienating in a way. Cause it's like, well, 
I'm not any of that. Yeah. You know, I'm 39 year old Selma. So let's, let's talk to 39 year old accountant Selma. Right but now. so, but so you're always like, you are a martial artist. You yeah. are an athlete. Yeah. You are a, a singer songwriter. You are a musician, like your vocal cords. That's like the initial, that's like the original instrument. Mm. You know, we've been making instruments. I think that the, the, the oldest instrument goes back to, I, I believe I, I read it was 43,000 years ago. It's called the, it's like the Dev J Bob flute. It's like the, the, the femur of a cave bear. I think it was in Slovenia. <laughs> okay. And so, so 43 odd thousand years ago, there was, you know, a dude or a gal inside of a cave carving out from a, a femur of a bear, some device to be able to make pretty sounds from mm. <laughs> like we've been making music since the beginning of forever, you know, and your, your voice ultimately it's just, we're singing to each other and we have definitions in our mind of what certain song lyrics or tone. Right. Did my, Oh, I just went off for a second. Yeah. Um, you know, and so as we're communicating to each other, that physical intelligence, when you meet someone that seems like, it's like they have this just like this effortlessness mm. of the way that they come into the room. They're like, wow, like this, there's some, there's a, uh, I apologize for being so quotations. There's a, a Charles Bukowski quote. He says, when he talks about this as being a free soul, says it's, you, you don't necessarily, they don't have like a specific, I have it in the book, it's paraphrasing, something along the lines of a free soul. It's like, you don't necessarily, they don't look like a thing or they don't have a specific, you know, character or anything like that. But when you meet a free soul, you know, because you feel good, like you mm. feel really good, mm. you know, and that free soul, there's also we're conveying information with our, our body language. You know, so when someone comes in the room and they're not their jaws not tight and their hands aren't tight and their shoulders aren't rolled forward and they're not like maybe their hips are shifting towards the door, you know, or maybe they don't like to make eye contact. That's body language. That's yeah. how you communicate. Yeah. That's how you convey information more so than with your voice. Yeah. yeah voices like there's another study done in the sixties from, I think it was Stanford from Albert Morabian. It's just 7% of our communication comes from body language or sorry, comes from voice, voice. Or, or the words. And then 38% comes from the tone of our voice. And then 55% comes from body language. Wow. And that's if there's incongruence. So if we're hanging out, I say some stuff yeah. to you, could just be but words. my tone doesn't match what I'm saying, and my body doesn't match what I'm yeah, saying. You're not facing me, you're not looking at me. Yeah, yeah. ninety with ninety three percent consistency, I, I would think it'd be even more than that. If you're any level of a sensitive person, you'd be like, I don't trust what you're saying. So when we're communicating to each other, like if you want a a great wife or a husband or a girlfriend or boyfriend or to marry that woman or, right over there or, or a great or a great <laughs> or a great job yeah or just a general sense of like joie de vivre as you're you're moving through the world you're continually sending messages in the form of the fancy term for his postural feedback your postural feedback mm-hmm. is continually conveying messages to the outer world around you just like an antenna sending frequencies and then people are receiving that message and responding to you. And then you call it dumb luck that you got the job or that you mm. ran into that person in the street at the right time. It's because you're a fucking magnet with the way that you move through the world. People are like, I want a piece of that guy mm. or I want to stay away from that guy or I want to um, take advantage of that guy. Yeah. And I don't get why every darn relationship with uh, or that I'm in. It's like a different face, different name, same person, same abuse. 
It's like, well, there might be something going on with the way that you communicate mm -hmm. through the world. Yeah. I wonder if you know anything about this, and I think Amy would be pretty interested in it as well. There's a, some group, the Global Conscious Coalition or something like that, that they have a project out there, and it's about cardioneurology. And uh, cardioneurology, and they did something with... Um, Oh man, it's in my other notebook. I'm going to slaughter it. I had to tell uh, someone about it the other day. Uh, I was actually the docuseries director and it's in my other notebook. So anyways, but there's a thing that one of the things I took from it is that your heart sends twice as many messages to the brain than your brain sends to the rest of the body. Yeah, And uh, that that's what forms in the womb first is your heart over even your brain. And, uh, th that there's so much stuff about follow your heart, uh, listen to your heart, all that, and your gut and all those other things. And, and we're so logical or up in our head so often. I think that's a lot of times where the mental health issues come from is just, we're in our head, not in our body. Yeah. We're in our head, not in our heart. Sure. Uh, we, we took a moment to get into our heart space before coming in here, uh, to do the podcast, like take a few moments, sit down on the ground, you know, meditate. Do a little prostate massage. <laughs> yes. Well, that's why your was, genes are ripped. It was awesome. Uh, <laughs> it was awesome. Easy access. <laughs> Easy access. Deeply relaxed. Yeah. But I mean, what do you what do you know about the heart and just operating from from that place over over your mind? Well, I mean, so this is again one of those interesting intersections where the you know in the the, the book the back description it's we describe it as a Eastern philosophy meets Western mechanics. And a lot of the stuff that we are, some of this esoteric, woo-woo, metaphysical, kind of like throwaway stuff that a lot of yoga teachers will say. And most of like the dudes, you know, bro dudes in the class are just like rolling their eyes like, oh my God, why did my girlfriend bring me here? <laughs> a lot of that stuff is backed by science. Science, yeah. You know, and, and science it, is catching up with it. Another, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and another interesting example of that is the, the vagus nerve, which is, you know, mm. another popular one people talk about these days. So part, uh, of the, part of the parasympathetic <clears throat> nervous system? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's, it's vagus, vagus, you know, it's like Latin, like vagrant wanderer, you know, so it's, it's tying from the, the brain and spinal cord to a lot of different organs. Okay. And, but what's interesting about that is, again, we think so much of this as being like a top-down conversation. You know, the brain is like, the, the, the grand emperor of everything that's happening in your body. But 70% of the uh, nerve fibers in the vagus nerve are uh, afferent, meaning they're going from the body to the brain. Hmm. So 30% brain to the body, whoosh, sending information. 70% is sending information from your viscera, from your organs to the brain saying, here's what's going on. We need, you know, we need, we need, we need some help in this department or like wow. this is, we need to move in this way or think in this way or release hormones or neurochemistry or whatever it may be in this way to address what's happening from the body. That's, that's really interesting and really good. Today I was at IOP intensive outpatient and, uh, you know, we were learning about the cognitive model and, and that basically emotional hangover is real, but other things about, uh, well, basically I'll just take you through a quick note. It was yeah, basically situation to a thought to emotion to behavior that's the cognitive model but the situation something happens then you have a thought the situation is interpreted the emotion and I drew a little heart by it, emotion a feeling occurs as a result of the thought and then behavior an action in response to the emotion 
And I was in there talking about basically I, I, I'm, I'm, I can be an emotional or impulsive reactor, but I really have to get more to an intelligent or informed response, like making response, being, being responsive instead of reactive. And they say that a lot of people that struggle with addiction struggle with that. And they were, they were saying that when these cravings come, you have to, it's a disease of the brain and science actually showing it now. It's a disease It's a disease of choice or no choice at times. And these cravings, you might find this interesting. I did it with Amy the other day. They were showing, um, basically they studied the brain, uh, someone going through thirst and they basically measured that in, in a comparison of cravings, a craving to have thirst when you're dehydrated and had no water for three days was about the size of a baseball. If they do this comparison, not, not, not in your brain, but just the size of a baseball, someone that was starving or fasting for three weeks, that, that, uh, craving was the size of a basketball. But the craving to drugs and alcohol whenever someone is going through withdrawal, can you guess what the size of that was? Uh, I'm not giving you much to go David's, off of. David's genitals. David's genitals. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> Call back. Call back. Nice He's a pro. Thank you. Thank you. He's a pro. He's a handsome gentleman. <laughs> professional. Now, now, both genitals or just one testicle? Left testicle. <laughs> okay. Five, no. that's, that's 70% of the time it's lower in men. Yeah. It was the size. Bigger ball. <laughs> It, Which ball of yours? The more you know. Are you lefty? Uh, my right's bigger. Really? I think. Yeah, my right's bigger. Is that wow. good? I don't know. Don't look at me. Uh, Amy. I, at Amy. I know. I guess I should say. Amy. <laughs> I think I'm my right's bigger. More. But uh, no, it's the size of a baseball field. Oh, boy. For a person that's going through addiction and withdrawals, the cravings that happen are the size of a baseball field. And the reason is because... You are supposed to be your dopamine level for instance, they showed glutamate, all this different stuff, but your dopamine level on your best day is supposed to be like a hundred nanograms or nanodroly. I don't know what it is, but it, nano somethings and it's supposed to be at about a hundred your best day ever, best sex promotion on vacation uh, and just the birth of a child, like all those things in one day, it's supposed to be at about a hundred mm. on an average day. Average day, you're at a 50. But on a depressed day, your most depressed day, where you lost your job, someone died, all this stuff, you're only at a 40. Hmm. At a 40. So from a 50 at an average day, you go down to a 40 at the lowest. Hmm. Best day, 100. When you put certain drugs into your system, they showed uh, like uh, meth, for instance, it takes you to 1,100. 1,100 in comparison to your best day ever at a 100 naturally. So you're putting these substances in your body and all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's like performance enhancing drug for your brain, right? Like, I mean, it's just over a thousand or I think some of the other drugs are like 700, 800 and you take those drugs away. Now, all of a sudden the human brain is sitting at five or 10 on the dopamine scale. So below your worst day ever at a 40. Now the addict is now trying to replenish from having a five, 10, 15, 20, which is sitting up below the worst day ever. I I'm, I'm very grateful that I don't think I've absolutely like shot out my dopamine receptors and, and production yeah, and all that pen, stuff. The pendulum swings, you know, and that's, that's so coming back to kind of a point that we were talking about before of like, what's like the ideal way to 
you know, for fitness or movement or exercise yeah. or anything. I mean, it's, this, I think it's, it's consistent with addiction. It's consistent with nutrition. It's con- consistent with like a general, like, like wholeness, um, having regular bouts infusions of movement yeah. throughout the day is the key. When you go through that, like big blowout, you know, whatever workout thing, and then, or maybe no working out for a while. And then like this self-hate, you know, yeah. or judgment that builds up. And then yeah. maybe you go into this like binging state and then you're like, oh, no, I feel like a word. That's like, oh, f- fuck it. It doesn't even matter. I'm a piece of shit. Then you binge again and then you go deeper, darker. You know, it's like that, that wild roller coaster ride of, you know, that we, we think and the way we feel and produce our neurochemistry. Our, our fitness and our movement is piggybacking on the way that we produce ourselves, you know, and exercise, yeah. you know, being like as, as releases a bunch of endorphins. It's kind of like, you know, similar to like taking morphine essentially like makes you feel good. So if you have yeah. opiate addiction, like exercise might be an interesting direction to go. Yeah. They, they, they said that, um, well, interesting fact for you. Did you know that, um, a person with addiction, especially to opiates, uh, should stop having dairy and taking calcium supplements, uh, because in your stomach, the chemical that's made is in the morphine family. So it can create or, uh, triggers for, um, opiates. So they say at least limit it, uh, monitor it, or don't just go to a ton of ice cream and and dairy and taking a calcium pill. Um, because that's going to trigger you to have these cravings. Have, Have you heard of the rat park study It was done in, in, um, it was done in British Columbia. I think it was done in Vancouver. In a park uh, of rats. Yeah. So, okay. so, so there's the there's the, the the common narrative that we hear about drug addiction just being like, you know, we're we're so vulnerable to drugs. You know, if you give you give a rat a bunch of cocaine, it'll just and you know, put it into a cage and give it cocaine, it's just going to like throw his life away and just just blow all the cocaine until it dies. That's a rat in a blank room with a rat wheel with some bullshit rat food from a lab if you give a rat a rat park which is what they what they did in in vancouver um it was bc i'm pretty sure it was vancouver uh they gave it you know like a rat girlfriend and a rat pool and like you know a rat netflix and rat like yeah, yeah, you know yeah. all the things that would make a rat happy i don't know if they actually had rat, rat netflix but like they gave them a bunch of cool stuff to play with you know, and they just really like, let's just like really, you know, just make this like, like a desirable place for a rat. Mm. Suddenly they might like nibble at the cocaine every now and again, like just a bump, you know, but they're not infatuated with it. It's like, it's kind of like, oh yeah, like cool, whatever cocaine. I'm like, not that impressed by it. Yeah. But when we live a, you know, fairly, I mean, there's so many different complex hallways or, or, or paths to go around with addiction. I think a lot of it. You know, I, I think a lot of it I don't know about. I'm not an expert about, it, so I'm not going to try and make make any kind of suggestions about it. But a big part would be if you're living this vapid, banal, mm-hmm. blank, just like artificially blue lit, underslept. You know, you're getting nutrition, but you're, it's like Alan Watts calls it like eating the menu, but not the not the meal. Wow! Like a lot of the nutrition that we're getting, it's still leaving us hungry. Yeah. So it's like if you eat a bunch of cardboard in the shape of pizza or in the shape of beef liver, it's like you didn't actually get those essential fatty acids mm. and the vitamins and minerals from you know, the pizza. 
Well, no, just, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. avocado pizza. Oh, yeah, from yeah. the avocado pizza. Yeah. No, you're right. I, I agree with you. And so when you're living, when a person's living a life mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, like there's this deep, insatiable kind of like void, which I experience personally. I don't typically go into, you know, using any hard drugs so much historically, but um, I, I do know a sensation. I can't speak for anybody else's experience, uh, but like like this insatiability. You know, and I think that a lot, like I just watched, we, we all just watched the matrix and that's kind of like yeah. what Neo was going through. It's just like, can't sleep at night. And like, you have this itching, scratching, gnawing thing that you want more. Yeah. A lot of these 12 step like programs and treatment facilities, they say you have to have a sufficient substitute, right? You take right. the drugs and alcohol away. You better have a life that's worth living right? and being sober for, or you'll go back out. Totally. And now there is a disease of the brain that, that, that sometimes people can have all of that. Like for instance, me, I had, I had a great relationship with Amy. I love her so much. And I had the more of a support system than most ever, uh, will have the opportunity for. And I don't take that for granted. I, I, I absolutely love it. I love the support system I have. I'm so grateful for it. And I, I realize that I'm very, uh, privileged um and to have that opportunity of people in my life like you that you call up and say hey i'm having a craving right now i need to go work out i need yeah. to go get nature yeah. things like that but still or, once I or maybe it's maybe in, it's an opportunity to be with the thing and sometimes maybe the the, the nature and the workout and all that stuff can just be kind of like a workaround as opposed to like a work in and again addiction i it's i'm way out of my my depth with the conversation but reactionary behavior and anxiety and just you know sensations like that for in my experience when i have those moments oftentimes the best thing that i can possibly do like a, a pretty consistent foolproof solution is to go for a run or get outside mm-hmm. and do all those things that are just so darn healing and you know there's a, another potential direction to be tinkered with it's just like and i heard someone say one time never waste a trigger and mm. so like if you have a moment where there's like i feel like i'm like I'm, I'm really pissed off or i feel anxious or i feel like i want to you know any of the things that's you know not conduct not productive behavior in my life another option is to just sit and be with it yeah you know and and, and actually take part in the process you can almost like gamify it like gamify the process of self observation well, I love, I love that. Never waste a trigger. And then one of the things they were telling us, and obviously you just did intuitively and also because this is what you're so good at, um, is like anytime those triggers come up, do something about it. Either sit with it, sit with it, observe it, yeah. see what is it wanting you to do and play the tape forward or stretch, move, yoga, work out, drink some water, get yeah. some sleep, uh, have a great conversation, read a good book, like all these different things. But I think that your book, um, has been inspiring to so many and it's going to continue to help uh, many more. I want people to go check out this book. I know that you have short time because you are, I'm not short time, but we'll come to a close and respect your time because you're getting ready to go to LA and promote the book. And, uh, but one thing that I would love uh, to state because we're good friends, we see each other often. uh, You're one of my favorite people. 
is that Amy and I are going to be, hopefully, we found an inspiring video uh, on Amy, Amy's TikTok that, uh, that a woman's doing roller skating. So Amy and I, are gonna, we're just switching it up. You know, that's what you love to do is switch it up. Try this. When we're in the gym on it, we're switching things up. I think a great gift for us in 2022 would be uh, acro yoga. Can you let some people in yeah. on what, I mean, I got the deepest stretch of my life. Okay. Wrapping it up that way, like like just experimenting, getting out of your comfort zone, yeah. trying new things, the benefits of that. And I, I would love for Amy and I to get to do some acro yoga. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. My, my buddy, Jason Niemer, he lives here in Austin as well. He's the co-founder of acro yoga. He actually has a book coming up, I think later on this month. Um, and acro yoga, essentially it's like a combination of, so there's the acro acrobatic part, then the yoga, you know, getting into stretchy positions and such. Uh, it's a partner based practice where you're essentially, it's like, simplest way to describe it is like doing airplane with your kid you know or with yeah. your dad yeah but then from there you can add when you're flipping somebody upside down it takes them out of their like typical protective mechanisms mm -hmm. i guess is the easiest way to say it because they have no orientation to what's normal and so it's just a beautiful way to decompress the spine and you know you can if you're with somebody that's well versed with acro like they're good acro yogi it can really flip your world around. Oh, it did mine. I was I was in the air. I think we've done it twice now or something or maybe yeah, more. Yeah. But I was in the air over 10 minutes at 260 pounds. Another man had me as like a wrecking ball. It's just stacking. It's just stacking bones. Yeah. You know, so think about so that's that's if you can stack a 260 pound, I'm lighter than I'm like 215. So I I can comfortably stack someone much larger than you. Yeah. And my arms would be harder. Uh, but my legs, it's like, it's really no problem because your, your joints, when they're aligned, when they're mm. integrated, when they're stacked, uh, your, your skeletal system is just so darn strong, you know? And so it's within that, it's the same concept of the way that you stand, you know, or the way that you sit or the way that you uh, breathe or yeah. the way that you communicate. If you can find a, a more balanced orientation of all of the joints and the connective tissue and the fascia and, you know, the lymph and the cardiovascular and the, the nervous is like all of those poob, <laughs> poobs, all of those tubes and pipes and systems, they need spaciousness and they need alignment. And when they come into that alignment, they, they find that spaciousness and suddenly life gets a lot easier, you know, and that's a similar concept with like that moment of acro being able to pick a big, heavy person up. It's just finding that proper aligned. I'm not just saying that because the aligned method, I mean, that's maybe why I call it that. Um, but I mean, literally like you're in alignment. Mm. Um, suddenly you can do things that you would think to be impossible, you know, and that's, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. Like we're capable of so much more than I think most of us have come to believe because for the most part, the teachers that we have, at least the teachers that I had, weren't really that well oriented physical creatures yeah well-rounded you know and aligned yeah I mean, like they're, they're like they're the lives of the people that we're looking up to for the most part at least in school systems and i've i've got nothing but love for school systems um but for the most part it's like they're coming from the same model mm. coming from the model of okay we're building this curriculum i'm sitting around a boardroom you know and i've got a, a, a flat desk and i've got these chairs and we're all hunched around we got our computers we're saying okay let's like type in like what these kids need and so it's like the medium itself is the issue. Yeah, it's limited. 
you know and so yeah. when you when you know albert einstein you know he's other quote he said something along the lines of like you can't fix a problem with the same thinking that produced it or however he yeah. said that paraphrase you know and so it's like coming out of that and you know being willing to choose your own path and being willing to follow your own intuition and being able being willing um and, and you know, confident and sovereign enough to to do what feels right you know and if you if you do follow that i think that that's like that's our compass and for the most part you'll probably find you probably spend more time outside <laughs> you know you'll probably yeah. hang out with some people more than other people you'll probably end up maybe even switching vocations because mm. you start to pay attention to the way this immense amount of information that your body's continually conveying to you if you start to be still with that Notice the way that you breathe. Notice the way that you feel when that person walks in the room. You know, I think, I think, uh, Amy, I'm going to ask if you have a question in, in closing, but I think you gave me a final thought on, and I'm going to have one more question, but the, for me in my life, I was so out of alignment and addiction and overcompensating by becoming a fighter. And it was my outlet and it helped me a lot. Find some passion but it wasn't purpose. When I got to Africa for the first time and I was in the rainforest and I was with these hunter gatherers, all of a sudden I felt like this purpose, not just fighting against people, but fighting for people, this, um, I felt my soul coming into alignment and now being able to fight for them. Like that even adds more alignment to now I get to use that, share their story all this stuff, but I've never been at more peace and ease and comfort in my life than I have been like more like what we were probably supposed to be or how we were supposed to live. Well, and there's no, there's no supposed. Well, you write about that, not supposed, but I, I just mean getting back to roots of humanity and not being so like, like hearing the birds sing every morning yeah. and watching the sun come up and dancing and sitting around the fire as the sun went down yeah. and telling stories and having community. And what I mean by that in, in these last two, three weeks of my life, I've honestly never been happier, even more so than, than while I was there, because now it's like back to my roots here, stateside and living a happy, healthy life. But I think, I think it's just a really good reminder that maybe one day in our dream house, we'll, we'll have a, 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 to a toilet out in nature. Oh um, God, but, I have a toilet in nature. Are you kidding yeah, me? With a bidet, warm, warm bidet instead of, instead of ice cold. But so yeah, this, this, yeah, this, this, this supposed thing, just think, think and feel how that feels when you, when mm. you think of, okay, we are supposed to be more, we're supposed to be outside more often. We're supposed to be in, you know, more, I don't know, maybe healthy, supportive relationships, or we're yeah. supposed to, do work that makes us, that lights us up and makes us feel, feel on purpose. If I'm supposed to do that, it kind of like denatures the life out of the thing. Mm. And suddenly I have this other father figure holding this, their, their hand in the back of my collar. They're saying, yeah. okay, you're supposed to go take a walk. Yeah. It's like, shit, we yeah. killed it again. Yeah. That's so good. It, it's all about balance as Amy loves to say in you. I mean, it's just, yeah, we, we get, we, we get, get it too. Yeah. You know, little, they're, they're little, trying to little tell me that, like that it's like, Hey, you don't have to be sober. No, you get to be sober you and don't find a to be better here. life. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Like that. Yeah. That, whatever you want. Yeah. You know, there's no wrong decision. You know, it's just like, it's just, it's just opportunities. Hmm. I love that. 
Amy, did you have any questions for in closing? Um, not exactly a question, but just one thing I wanted to kind of circle back to that I was thinking about was when you were talking about um, when we move in our body and then we feel stronger and feel good and it has that mental aspect to it. Like if our body's feeling good, we're feeling good. But so many times we're just taking that for granted and we're not even in our body enough to know it feels good until it feels bad. Yeah. And then, And then we're like, shit. You know, why didn't I appreciate that? And I think that there's, I don't even know if this is a question, but just something to speak to that you can speak to just about, about taking the time to tune into, wait, I'm actually feeling pretty good right now, you know, and getting in touch with that when it's actually happening rather than not noticing it. I just did a, a, a a podcast on mine with a, a, a gal called Tamar Geller and she is like a dog trainer to like, everybody like Tony Robbins and Oprah and all sorts of fancy people. And, um, she's just, she's really, really great. I think you guys would, would really love getting to have her on here as well at some point if you want to. Uh, but that's her approach to dog training is being in celebration of all the things the dog is doing. Right. Mm. You know? And so I just got to hang, you guys met, met Nala, a little yeah. Pomeranian, yeah, creature, yeah, yeah. A little, little creature of love. Um, I take care of her when her, her parents away or on occasion. And when we're together, I'm like, I have such a great time with her because one, she creates a feedback to me to emote. So I'm with this little dog. She looks like Boo, by the way. Yeah, she's great. Create a visual. She's great. So she's really supportive for me or dogs are supportive for us if we if we have that relationship with them because they're they're inducing emotion. They're inducing movement. They're inducing voice tonality. You know, they're you know, a dog comes in the room. You're like, oh, you know, you get all excited about the dog. (laughs) Yeah, we had a dog in here for a little bit. That's literally turning your endocrinology. It's turning your neurochemistry. It's causing you to move and respirate and breathe different. Just the existence of that that dog being in the room the dog we were playing with before i was squatting down on the ground yeah. like that like the, the dog's existence took me through this whole movement practice mm-hmm. so that's really interesting so one component is you become the shape of your environment place a dog into the environment you form to the dog um place a pull-up bar which we have a, a chapter in the align method book about the value of hanging yep decompression very very like low hang low hanging fruit that's mm-hmm. unintended pun um <laughs> is just hanging each day you throw a pull-up bar into a doorway that you walk through with regularity every time you walk through it's like you it's like you're compelled it's like your hands are lifted up over your head for you you don't even you there's nothing to do it's like you put the device there it's like parenting i don't have a kid but from talking to parents it seems like most of them are kind of in alignment with this you just present them the options and be a good person you know, be supportive, be loving, you know, create a safe container, present options. Yeah. I don't know that you can do anything else. I'd be curious your opinion about that. Is well, that- even just when you were talking about just move consistently all day long, like I watch my kid do that. So it rubs off the other way too. Right, you're, you're, like, yeah, you're training I mean, each other. You've seen Gigi. She's nonstop motion. Mm, and yeah. the other day she FaceTimed me and she was like, I've, I, here's how I'm getting on and off my bed right now. And it was like a full back walkover, like nice. onto the bed. And off. I was like, she's just sitting around doing that. And you know, she, like and, and what she, if we did that? And she in part likely is getting that, like that, like spice for life or joie de vivre or exploratory attitude, perhaps from you. There's also maybe the argument that she's just like a Polaroid picture and you just kind of shake it and she's going to be the same regardless. <laughs> no way to really know. Probably there is some research around like, like identical twins, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, who knows, who knows what the heck's going on with, with kids. But, uh, in response to the being supportive for like, I guess maybe like our wins, you know, and not just focusing on all the reasons that I suck uh, throughout the day. If you're with a dog, so says 
Tamar Geller um, and just I think general logic, if the dog is walking beside you the way that you want the dog to walk beside you, the dog's doing a good thing. Yeah. It's a great reason to say like, oh, you're such, you're such a good dog. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, if the do- it's like all of these different things. If the dog is just, a dog could just be quiet. The dog could just be like resting and just chilling. It's just like, man, this dog is just being such a good dog right now. That's a great time to be like, oh, like shower that dog with love. You know, and so getting into that habituation of like the dog doesn't need to inherently be like running around in a circle or jump, you know, standing on its back legs or doing like some kind of amazing trick to give it a treat or give it some some type of love. It could just be generally passively being a good dog. So throughout the day, we're probably generally passively being good people, you know, <laughs> and just and, and so the way that we can way. say that is is just have those moments of like. You know, having, you know, a little moment of loving on yourself or loving on somebody else and be like, oh, man, like, I love your shirt. Mm-hmm. I love your I love the way you make me feel. You know, I love the the like your, whatever the thing is, I, the, the glasses, they bring out your eye, like whatever. They're just starting to notice the the positive in quotations because, you know, define positivity. But those aspects of life that make us feel good, mm-hmm. making that a habit to point those out. And then eventually you can't stop seeing them. As opposed to come from the place of I just see everything as a threat and life is a war zone and I'm a general and I'm here to kill. Yeah. I'm here to defend. Mm. That's a habit. Mm-hmm. Neither habits. is wrong or right. It's great yeah. to have generals in the world. It's great to have, you know, whatever. But it's just like, what do you want? Like for me, I'd love to paint my world with um, at least like the noticing of, of what's going right. Yeah. And then it, it gains momentum and that becomes who you are. And then you probably become more like that Bukowski free soul type person. It's like people just like being around that guy or girl for some reason. It's like, well, because every time they come in the world, in in the room, they like paint the room. Everyone kind of relaxes a little bit. Everyone feels a little bit better about themselves. They feel less judged. They feel welcomed. It's not because they came in and brought them like a you know, a diamond necklace or something, or they or brought tacos. him a watch or tacos, you know, tacos are helpful <laughs> and presents are different people have different love languages, but you don't necessarily need to have like quantifiable gifts to make people feel away. You, no, absolutely not. And I think you have that quality, Aaron, you know, you're so comfortable with yourself. And I, I really think that every time I've met you, you know, you're very much like that. Oh, thanks. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. it's a process. Every- it's a practice, actually. It's just like you were talking about. It's these muscles. It's the muscle of awareness. It's the muscle of like living in that space of what do I want and fostering that and moving that direction. And then the, the last, the last thing. What's what's interesting, and this is the part of of I'll probably spend the rest of my life just continuing to to beat this this horse, which is kind of a, a strange analogy. Um, <laughs> but the interesting thing is how does your body? How is your body moved when you feel safe? How is your body moved when you feel loved? How is your body moved when you feel afraid? How is you? None of these are right, wrong, moralistic judgment, Mm -hmm. fear, love, you know, lust. It's all just stuff. You know, it's not like I oh that I like it. I'm I'm okay with myself when I feel this way. I'm not okay with myself when I feel that way. Yeah. Just objectively pull back Mm. and examine what is my physical, musculoskeletal, structural expression. Of these different emotions and just check it out. Just check it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. I, I 100% true. agree with that. My, my, my like life phrase lately has just been, I take it in stride and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to 
accept this is life. Yeah. I think you and I had a conversation about that when Justin yeah, was did. coming out of treatment and I was like, this is life. This is life. Yeah. So what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do? <laughs> Let's uh, take it in stride and get aligned as we take it in stride. One of the things I have noticed is that I just love being around both of you. And thank you, Aaron, for putting this We are this pretty book. great. You are. Yep. You are, my man. <laughs> People can come get your book now. Yep. They should get your book now because I think they will really notice through the pages of this book that their life, if they allow it, if they align oh, with shit. this book, <laughs> they will notice that their life is becoming more aligned, yep. that their life is getting better. Yeah. And uh, that you are contributing in a deep and meaningful way to their life <laughs> as you guys get your Instagram We're stories. Out we are wrapping you. up. Thank you for being here, Aaron Alexander. You are a beautiful man, Peach. Mm, a work of that. art. A masterpiece better than marble. Oh, I mean, you marble. really are like art. Your body wow. is, I mean, it really is. Everyone oh, should go follow you at a, a line podcast. Go, and, go look at his body. I'm not really a, a fan of the male body. I mean, I am. Yes, you but are. I am. I'm sorry. I am. But yours don't is exceptional. Don't need, be, don't need to be sorry. Yours is right. exceptional. What that I mean is I'm not attracted to the male body. But yours is one that I hear often people are attracted to. You ever had any, any gay dreams, Justin? I, I haven't. <laughs> is this how we're ending? I, yeah. I honestly haven't. <laughs> really? Amy? I, gay yeah. dreams? Uh, he doesn't really have any gay dreams. No, no, you. Do I have gay dreams? Of course. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm Amy, bi. I'm bi. Spirit. I'm like a, Bisexual I'm a pretty open. <laughs> Holding it pan, down. Pan, I prefer. I'm, pan. I'm I don't more even know bi. what these words mean. But <laughs> that's a fun way to end the show, I guess. <laughs> Uh, no what gay are you? dreams. What about you? We didn't. Uh, sure, I had gay dreams. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Woke up feeling guilty. You felt guilty. Oh, sure. Aww. This morning. Now I'm fine with that's it. That's just society. I think finish. I've had like three gay dreams. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you meant this morning. I was this whole time. I was like, whoa, that's why yes. No, no. I think I've had three throughout yeah. sporadically. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, no. Hate. I went through a period of, of really questioning, like, what is learned, what like nature versus nurture, and so much of, especially if you look into like spartan times and greco-roman times where it was like it was actually the alpha thing to you know whatever bend, over, bend over a dude oh so it was like an alpha beta relationship uh, and so it's this very interesting thing R- relationship dynamics monogamy polygamy or like all the different versions that exist yeah. whatever it's called when women have multiple husbands um, homosexuality pansexuality, all the different things so much of it is is cultural indoctrination i think polyandry i think well, maybe that's what for it women. Is. honey you're into spartans <laughs> I'm in the Spartans. I am a Greco-Roman national champion. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you're into see? Stoics. I get. I'm confused. in the Stoics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the Stoic philosophy. Yeah, and alpha, hey, Alpha Beta. <laughs> this this is the way we're wrapping up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it you. Is. Have a great trip in LA. I hope people follow you at the Align Podcast. Just Align, Align Podcast. Align, I mean, yeah, we'll at Align up. Podcast. All the links. And all the links. And the book is the Align Method. Boom. It's Aaron Alexander. He is such an incredible man. Thank you. Thank you, my man. Yeah. They can go uh, to get the book. They can go to thealignbook.com. We'll take oh, them directly to great. the place. And I'll just include that in the that. intro as well. Babushka. Yeah. The Align Book. The Align Book. The Align Book. Cool. Dot com. All right, man. Thanks for being here. Can't Thank wait to you. give you a hug. Appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to Overcome with Justin Wren <laughs> with uh, my beautiful Amy Edwards, who I want to marry. And what an ending. <laughs> yeah. What an ending <laughs> with Aaron Alexander. Wow. Yeah. 
Uh, Just he to recap, too, a dream man he, well, in many yes. different people's uh, eyes. In his own, actually. <laughs> yeah, his own. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, go ahead, please. I was just going to recap, like how to find his book. It's totally worth getting. It's easy. It it's just a quick guide with some really. You can good pick up the book and read chapters. anything. Anything in it, and you're going to get something. You don't have to start front to back. You can skip around. It has pictures of him, too. Um, there's pictures of this beautiful there's man. There's one where Peach. it looks like he's doing, what'd you say, some sort of 80s dance? Yeah. Yeah. Flash mob scene <laughs> yeah. uh, for us, a good stretch. But here it is Aaron Alexander, The Align Method. Mm-hmm. At so just Align Podcast on Align Podcast.com has the links to his book. It has his website and all that. I mean, it has his podcast and all that. Or go to um, The Align Book. book. Dot com. And it'll take you to his website too. So yeah. And you can also reach us at overcome podcast at gmail.com and you can share your overcome story with us and we will be sharing those from time to time. We'd love to hear the challenges you've overcome, how this podcast has helped you overcome and uh, what you're looking forward to overcoming in this new year of Ooh, 2022. Like what are you looking forward to overcoming in this yeah, year? We I'm all are in the process of mm-hmm. overcoming always just part of the human experience. And so remember, please, as we wrap up this podcast, you, me, we have overcome a hundred percent of our darkest days. Now you and me and Amy and Aaron, we get to share our light and share our strength with the world. Hey, don't forget to send your overcome stories to overcome podcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren.